0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money saver tire and service deals today.
1: Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by.
0: Time now for the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Guess what day it is half eh? Hump Day. Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day from Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Good morning. How are you doing?
1: Good morning, Randy. I have to tell you, after our good friend Polo Asensio, also known as our all-star correspondent, mm-hmm. joined us live from L.A. yesterday, he called us Cracker and Salmon. Yeah, And anytime now I hear the open to the show it makes me laugh because I think <laughs> of Cracker and Salmon. That's exactly what it is. It's
2: it's uh, his daughter that dubbed us Cracker and Salmon but she said she listens all the time so we appreciate that.
1: Yes, and Polo Senzu obviously the Cardinals Spanish language broadcaster, uh, not just our all-star correspondent as well. But
2: He is one of the best and he'll be back in action here at home. The Cardinals back in action Friday night. They're on to Cincinnati after this all-star break. Last night, Michelle, the American League beating the National League for the ninth time in a row. That's kind of fluky, but they they have won nine in a row, the American League against the National League, and the score was 3-2, to two, so good pitching throughout.
1: It was good, and it was an exciting game. John Carlos Stanton becoming the hero and the MVP, but the American League needs to chill, or the National League needs to do better, at least. We, yeah. we need mm-hmm. more back and forth and more of a competition here between the leagues.
2: I would say so, and it's interesting because the American League now has won 21 out of 25 But overall, they've only won five more All-Star games. So the National League dominated forever. And now the American League has turned the tables. Last night, first inning, Mookie Betts singles a run home. It's 1-0 National League in the first. And then with the bases clear, Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals stepped to the plate. That ball is crushed to left center field. Paul Goldschmidt hits it out. 2-0 National League. And I'm thinking, oh, Goldie's going to be the MVP of this game. He's just getting started.
1: I thought the exact same thing. I thought if I was going to put any bet down on FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code Smalls, it was that Paul Goldschmidt was going to hit a home run and that he was going to look Mm -hmm. like the MVP of the game.
2: Yeah, it was great to see him get the first Cardinal home run in an All-Star game since Yachty in 2017. And before that, the last Cardinal to hit a home run in an All-Star game was Reggie Smith in 1974.
1: You would think Albert would have gotten one at you there, 11-time yeah. All-Star. You think yeah. he would have at least notched one or two. Yeah,
2: it's, it, it had been a minute. So the American League starter Shane McClanahan goes an inning. He allows two runs on four hits. The National League starter was Clayton Kershaw. He threw a shutout inning. So did Sandy Alcantara with his one inning of clean work with two strikeouts. Joe Musgrove of the Padres came on also with a scoreless inning with two strikeouts. And then it was Tony Gonsolin with his home stadium being the mound that he's on, and a runner aboard for Consulin in the fourth inning with Giancarlo Stanton at the plate. That ball is hammered to left center field. Goodbye! Two-run shot! Tie game! And then Byron Buxton followed with a home run to make it 3-2. That was all the scoring. Michelle, in the American League, the pitchers, he had nine guys throw scoreless innings you had only two pitchers in the american league last night that it appeared in an all-star game prior to last night liam hendricks who pitched in the eighth for the american league and Gregory Soto also had thrown. Otherwise, all of the American League pitchers were new guys.
1: I loved that. A new infusion of talent and this is what this Midsummer Classic is for, to showcase who is the best in baseball Mm -hmm. right now. I know guys like Albert Pujols are getting um, their historic nod for everything that they've done, but it is exciting to watch the past two days of baseball and see how many young stars and how many young talents there are in the game. The game's in Mm -hmm. good hands.
2: It really is and and it seems like the global phenomenon with Otani having the success that he's having, and apparently a lot of youngsters in Japan are playing. You, you've obviously got the Latin influence, and you, you've got a lot of Americans playing. You have a wonderful array of people playing the sport. By the way, the Cardinals had another performer last night, Ryan Helsley, in the eighth, and he might have been the most electric pitcher of the whole evening. Leading off the eighth inning, France strikes out swinging. Boy, you got to get- he brings another one-two pitch. Goes back to the fastball to finish off Benintendi. Had a hundred and a hundred and three mile an hour fastball, Michelle and Ryan Helsley with his all-star game debut. He does allow a hit, which was kind of a fluky thing, but he struck out two in his inning of work, and he threw 17 pitches. That's important for us to know as Cardinal fans.
1: Yes, it is. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And I love that Ryan Helsley was on display for the rest of the country and all of baseball. It kind of reminded me, Randy, about Julio Rodriguez after the home run derby. A lot of people hadn't been exposed to Julio Rodriguez and the power that he had and just what fun he is. Mm -hmm. It was fun for me to watch the rest of baseball react to what Ryan Helsley is.
2: Yeah, because he's ridiculous. Now, one of the things about the All-Star Game, and baseball has this problem, too, and it's going to happen when you have 11 different pitchers throwing, and you have as many good pitchers as you have, but I'm sure that baseball would like to find a way, and they're looking for ways to be able to score more, because for the casual fan, the person that's just dropping in, oh, let's see what's on on Fox tonight and it's the All-Star game and nobody is scoring after the fourth inning. I think that's a problem for baseball.
1: Yeah, in the All-Star game you'd want bigger numbers than three to two.
2: Yeah, and no hits for the National League between the first inning and the seventh. They just got shut down and a great job by the American League and so now we'll get back to it on Friday night. The Cardinals will take we're on to Cincinnati, Michelle. Do we have that? Uh, somewhere we do. Let's see. We're on to Cincinnati. There we go. There we go, yeah. Okay. we
1: only have a, We only have really... A day and a half that we can utilize this. Right,
2: so we got to put it to work, and it'll work hard over the next couple of days.
1: It'll do its job?
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Do your job. But the Cardinals, and Michelle, I've said this since the beginning of the season, and I'm not going to back off it until the Cardinals start losing to the bad teams, but two out of three against Pittsburgh? 2 out of 3 against Cincinnati, 2 out of 3 against the Cubs, 500 against everybody else, and then just take your chances. That's my philosophy for the Cardinals. I know that's not, uh, I want to win 105 games and get to the World Series. I do, but I'm trying to be rational and realistic about this. The Cardinals just aren't a club right now that's good enough to win 105 games and be a favorite for the World Series. So what do I look at with this team and the rest of the league? I look at that as a pathway to get to the playoffs, and then as we know, because Anthony Reyes did indeed start Game One of a World Series, and Jeff Weaver started Game Five of a World Series that they won. Once you get there, anything can happen.
1: That's true, and the second half is much more favorable from a strength schedule yeah. standpoint for the Cardinals. They're going to get healthier, and we're really going to see if this team is what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. They're not going to have many excuses in the second half.
2: And I wonder if. Milwaukee is going to be able to hang on. Pretty much every national observer that we talk to, and I tend to listen to them more because our our people that we have all the time, we're focused on the Cardinals and we we think, okay, because we know about the Cardinals' injuries, but I think when both teams are healthy, the Cardinals are just more talented and better than the Brewers. If the Cardinals don't beat the Brewers in this division, it's either A, because they're not healthy, or B, it's on them.
1: Yeah, it's something like we saw last June. Like It's just a complete attrition of the team. Um, But healthy, pound for pound, on paper, I would take the Cardinals over the Brewers, absolutely.
2: But then... Well,
1: well, well, I was going to say, healthy, pound for pound, I would take the Cardinals, but I'm also not assuming that we're getting Jack Flaherty back. So that's part of the equation for me, too, is before the season when I'm comparing the Cardinals and the Brewers, I think the Cardinals have an advantage because they have someone like Jack Flaherty that's going to be a piece for them in the rotation Mm -hmm. and when he's not going to be available which is what I'm when I'm still considering pound for pound I'm removing him from the equation it's a little bit more neck and neck but I still think the Cardinals have the advantage
2: and the Cardinals do need at the trade deadline to get a starting pitcher to pitch game three of a playoff series right that's to me the one guy they were talking yesterday in the fast lane about how Juan Soto would make the Cardinals a World Series contender he would if the Cardinals would get another pitcher, but I don't think number one, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think we see Jack Flaherty. Let's be realistic here. The guy's got a, a labrum tear and he's been out for basically two years now.
1: What did we say yesterday? The root of all heartache is expectation. Right, exactly. we're, we're setting our expectations realistically. And then if he does come back, we are excited. We're pumped.
2: Yep. yep. But I, I, even if he comes back, if he starts for the Cardinals, September 1st, I, because he's missed essentially two full years, I'm not so sure I feel super confident with, it, and I'll have to wait to see what I see, but I don't know if I want him pitching in the playoffs. Is he going to be good? If he's healthy when he comes back because he hasn't pitched in basically two years, how good is he going to be?
1: Is this Travis Travis Ishikawa PTSD? Yeah, kind of. When yeah. I, I know that they wouldn't put him cold in like Michael Walker was put, put mm. in that scenario, but you're right. You do want somebody who has at least been warmed up to a certain extent mm. and has the seasoning uh, to get in there. I don't know. I would be very yeah. nervous if he was put in that scenario.
2: So it's incumbent upon the Cardinals to go get that pitcher. So going back to what they were saying in the fast lane, yes, if if the Cardinals would get Juan Soto, which is not going to happen, but if my microphone just fell down, <laughs> if they would get Juan Soto, they would still need to get pitching if they want to be a contender to win the World Series. Because I'm just... I don't feel great about Matts or Hudson or Palante. Not that I don't think they're good, because I think they're nice back of the rotation guys, but I don't feel good having those guys go against a Carlos Carrasco or a Gonsolin, for example
1: and we might feel better about Matts as that number three option if we had the body of work to right. compare it to but no we just don't it.
2: yeah and according to tankathon.com which is a wonderful website yes it is the Cardinals have the easiest schedule the rest of the way yes White Sox second easiest Philly third easiest and by the way just as a matter of comparison Milwaukee at the moment will have The ninth easiest schedule. Cardinals remaining winning percentage of the teams they play, 453. Brewers remaining winning percentage of the teams they play, 490. So nothing wrong with having the best schedule, the easiest schedule left.
1: But again, then I'm not giving you any excuses. No,
2: better take advantage of it, no (laughs) doubt about it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's 101 ESPN. Coming up, it is hump day, and that means it's Ask Uncle Randy Day. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Sure, I'll answer your questions. Next, on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well, filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
2: Here we are halfway through another week. The weekend is coming up, and you might have some fun plans. And if you'd like to add to those plans, all you need to do is text in 65780. Uncle Randy is here on the Air Comfort Service text line, and Michelle has your questions for Uncle Randy. What do we got, Michelle?
1: We're over halfway through the year.
2: It's pretty amazing, isn't it?
1: You said we're over halfway through the week, and it just popped in my head. We're over halfway through this year.
2: Yeah, we are. It's flying by. It has gone by in a hurry, and well past the halfway point of the baseball season. Crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, we're going
1: to be talking hockey before we know it again.
2: That's right. We're two months away from training camp.
1: Crazy. Um, First one from the 217. It says, this is a long one, so hold on tight. Okay. Dear Uncle Randy, I am currently 25. I'm married with two kids. I currently work a job that pays okay-ish, but the benefits are so good that I don't know what to do. Next year, when I turn 26, I will have to have my own benefits. And where I work now, they're cheap and some of the best in the state. My question is, do the benefits outweigh the pay? This has been on my mind, and neither my wife nor I can make up our mind as what we should do.
2: Y- At this point in your life yes especially if you like the job now if you don't like the job or if you're iffy about it if this is not a long-term job and I would think because the pay isn't great it's probably not a long-term job just keep your eyes open for the job that has the benefits and pays you but right now with two kids you never know what's going to happen so yes maintain those Those good benefits and the cheap benefits. And this is dependent upon you liking the job. But yes, maintain the benefits. And it's more important for me to get good benefits and lesser pay than really bad benefits or benefits that are non-existent and a lot of money when you're that young and you have two kids. But just keep your eyes open for that other job that you like that will provide the benefits and the pay.
1: This is from Steve in St. Peter's. Dear Uncle Randy, do you think the Cardinals could surprise everyone and trade for Otani?
2: No, I don't. Uncle Randy doesn't see that happening for the Cardinals because Otani is another guy, like Juan Soto, that will command a massive salary when he becomes a free agent. He'd be fun to have. He's great. He's awesome. But again, I think the Cardinals think more long-term And control is a big thing for the Cardinals. And they would have him for a year and a half. And because he is such a preeminent, I would go so far as to say transcendent player, that's one where, in my opinion, Michelle, you can weigh in here, if the Angels ask for Jordan Walker in a Shohei Otani trade, if you're the Cardinals, that's one where you have to say... If everything else was equal in terms of control, yeah, yeah, I, I would look at that. But the, the problem for the Cardinals have is that they can only have Otani for a year and a half.
1: Yeah, I, you'd have to at least consider it because you're getting two players in one.
2: Right, yeah, right. And, and he's great at both. Yeah. And he's been really durable over the last couple of years. He would be electric, but I wouldn't see the Cardinals making that
1: move. I don't see them making that move either. But it is interesting, Randy, to watch Albert Pujols interact with so many of these guys Mm -hmm. like Otani and Juan Soto and even Mike Trout and see all of the speculation online about, oh, is Albert trying to recruit these guys to come to St. Louis? Do you think that that could be in the cards?
2: Did you see Greg Amsinger in shorts yesterday asking Juan Soto if he has spoken to Albert Pujols?
1: I did see that.
2: So that was really interesting.
1: Uh, Not only Greg Amsinger in shorts and in Gucci loafer slides.
2: Very, very impressive.
1: If you're going to do the carpet, you need to have a bold outfit choice. And Greg certainly did.
2: He went for it. It was great. It was. I was so proud of him. (laughs) He was proud of himself, too.
1: I know. And the Maverick shades. I mean, Mm -hmm. he he really went for it. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, I have twins turning 16. I gave them a budget and they can't agree on a car to share. Mm -hmm. Should I make the final decision or let them continue to duke it out?
2: I think you should make the final decision. I know it's difficult for a lot of people at any age to get beyond the idea that a car is really meant to go from point A to point B. But if you're the one paying for the car and you're the one paying for insurance, and this is the most important thing, they're 16 and safety is a priority, make the choice. Get them a safe car that it's not going to hit too hard if they wreck it, because they will. <laughs> and... Uh, Have them weigh in, but you make that final decision. And and you are the tiebreaker because you're buying the car.
1: And also, it's a good lesson in life that if you can't come to a compromise, you might lose your opportunity to get something.
2: Exactly. I mentioned to my daughter, Katie, the other day when she was in to get her driver's license. She was out driving and I was sitting in the waiting room at the DMV. And one of the statistics on the screen that they show, they've got a rotating screen, is that when you get your driver's license, there is a 100% chance that at some point you're going to be involved in a car accident.
1: 100% chance. Yes.
2: Everybody gets at least a, a fender bender, some sort of a bumper, or a bruise to their car. Everybody has something happen to their car
1: well it's better you know that up front yeah i think
2: so
1: (laughs) uh from the 314 hey uncle randy on father's day i find i found out i'm going to be a first-time dad
2: congratulations
1: for you. we just had our first doctor's appointment yesterday any advice on how i can best support my wife as we get ready for our first child in february
2: okay there's several things that you can do and i'll probably get a nasty text here because I, i evidently i didn't do this great oh but go If you have the ability to go to every doctor's appointment, do so. Uh, Be engaged with the process. Ask her how she's feeling. And if she has cravings, and there's a strong likelihood that she's going to have food cravings. If she asks, hey, can you go to Woofie's and pick me up a hot dog? Go to Woofie's and pick up a hot dog. Or if she says, I want some ice cream. Can you go pick me up ice cream? Go pick up the ice cream. But the most important thing is... Keep in mind that her body is changing. The hormones are going to be really off the charts. And you're, you're going to have to just be as even keeled as you can possibly be and say, hey, I understand. OK, everything's going to be fine. Everything." So understand that her emotions are and because of her hormones, her emotions are going to be a roller coaster ride. So when you, she's going through when you're going through this process together, don't get mad. And it's hard to do, but just keep an even keel throughout the process. That's the most important thing.
1: And it is a roller coaster, but the best you can, try to anticipate her. Mm-hmm. That would always be nice. If, if she's craving ice cream without her having to bring ask every time, just bring it home. Show yeah. her that you're listening and that you care and that you're paying attention to her needs. I think that that goes a long way.
2: Right. There are going to be those times, however, where it's 1130 at night and she finished the ice cream at 930 and she's going to say, Hey, uh, can can you grab me some ice cream up at the mobile on the run? So just go up and pick up some Ben and Jerry's, and she'll, you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> How did it you, happens? Did you gain sympathy weight? Because you know a lot of guys. The yeah. the, the well, it, mother has a lot of cravings, and the dudes are like, "I'm gonna eat the ice cream too." That's the
2: thing. It, it wasn't sympathy weight; as it was was participation weight <laughs> because <laughs> it. it Hey, can you go up to Woofie's and pick me up a hot dog? I'm, believe me, I'm picking up a Big Daddy, too. Yeah, of course. You know Heimdass, I'm messing around. We're getting two cards. Exactly. <laughs> Here we go.
1: Right. <laughs> uh, from the 618, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm weighing options for grandkids entertainment as an investment. I don't have grandkids yet, Good. but I'm curious, as a young child, would you grow to love every year's Blues or Cardinals tickets or a lake or condo to take to the kids throughout the year and in their youth? Do you think kids would have a better chance to outgrow sporting events or get bored with Lake Life slash relaxation
2: well you might be asking the wrong guy here but I would go with the sports because the sports always provides you something new and different when you go back to the lake then okay so you go let's say it's a 15 year every year trip to the lake okay for those kids it's the same every year if you have a 15 year trip to Blues games you'll have the depths but you'll have Vladimir Tarasenko and then you'll have a Stanley Cup championship and then you'll have the the new team or if it's the Cardinals over the course of the last 15 years you've seen the best that Albert Pujols had to offer you won a world championship and then you you had another trip to the World Series with a whole new team that John Moselock put together and now you're you've got a really fun young group I would say that there's because of the variety that the the sports would be better and let me add this I think for any older person, and I'm talking grandparent or parent, there is a greater opportunity to bond over sports than there is over a trip to the lake or a pool. Interesting. I would suggest that my strongest bond with my dad was through sports. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Grandparent, though. Grandparent.
2: Grandparent, yeah. But same thing. How How often do we see grandparents taking their grandkids to cardinal games it's just especially in our town yeah it's kind of part of growing up is being a a blues or cardinals fan
1: yeah this was tough for me because my family had a lake house growing up and Mm -hmm. it's my best memories Uh, of my childhood Uh it's when i close my eyes and i think of my childhood the first thing i think of is my my family sitting on the back deck of our lake house having dinner together in the summertime
2: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's good.
1: So I really yeah. think the the cool thing is, is you can't really go wrong no, either way. It's it's the way you build the memories with your family. Right. Either, either yeah. one is going to be a ritual and something special if you make it that way.
2: Now, here's one other play, if you have the wherewithal to do it. Lakehouse in the summer, blues in the winter.
1: Oh, Randy, <laughs> now you're talking. Because I did think about that. It's getting hotter and hotter and hotter here on this earth and in St. Louis and your grandkids might not want to sit through hundred degree temps in the summertime for Cardinal baseball. Now blues, you don't have that problem. It's a good time. Every time
2: I was talking to a guy yesterday, I was getting my car washed and it was so hot outside. And he said, I really fear for my grandkids. I said, yeah, I I think about that all the time with my kids too, because it's just going to get hotter and hotter and we're past the point of no return, right? So it's never going to get cooler again. So it is kind of scary for young people.
1: Yeah. Watching what's going on over in Europe right now, not Mm -hmm. great.
2: No, not at all. Pretty scary. Yeah.
1: But you know what? That's anytime I I turn on the news, Randy, I'm scared to death.
2: Yeah. But we just didn't see the wildfires in 116 degrees in Portugal. We didn't see that 20 years ago. 116 degrees. Crazy. Yeah, unreal.
1: Uh, From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, Soto or Kachuk? What's more likely?
2: Oh, there's no doubt that Kachuk is way more likely to happen. And I would rather have Matthew Kachuk in my town and on my team than Juan Soto. Juan Soto's a great player, but A, he's not what the Cardinals need, and B, the Cardinals have a lot of good young players. Hey, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised, kids, if Jordan Walker winds up being as good a player as Juan Soto.
1: That's what he's projected to be. Yep. And you would have him cost-controlled.
2: Right. And he's 20. And for a much longer period of time. Yeah, he's three years younger.
1: But see, so, I think, and,
2: and he can play a more premium position.
1: But this is what's hard for Cardinals fans to swallow: is it's yet another scenario in which this guy is is supposed to be mm-hmm. the uh, the X guy that's available, the proven commodity that could be available.
2: Yeah, but the thing is, he, I think we also have to see. I I'm allowed to be more short sighted than you, right? He he's not going to be. He, he's not going to be. Well, let me put it this way. Scott Boris is taking him into the market in free agency. He's going to get $500 million. And I don't envision the Cardinals, under any circumstances, paying two players together $500 million, let alone one guy $500 million.
1: Yeah, that's nuts. (laughs) That's nuts. From the 636, last one. Dear Uncle Randy, if my company paid for my MBA, how long do I wait for a more meaningful position before I look elsewhere?
2: Once you graduate with that MBA, baby. (laughs) Once it's paid for and they've taken care of you. Now, I, I understand that you have appreciation for what they've done. But here's the fact of the matter. If they have a downturn in revenues and you're the young person, you're, the, you're the, at the, the bottom of the seniority list, they're going to whack you. So this is a two-way street. So uh, my, our, my friend Guy Phillips once told me and gave me a line that I've always kept with me. Nobody loves you like you love you. So
1: <laughs> love that. if,
2: if there is a company out there that's willing to pay you more and give you what you perceive as a better job than the one that you have, is that company that just paid for your MBA, are they as committed to you as you are to them? It's all about commitment. And if they want you, if somebody else is offering, you come in and say, hey, I've got this offer i'm considering taking this job you want to match it given the opportunity but otherwise hey bottom line nobody loves you like you love you
1: and they paid for you to get your mba because they know that you're a valuable investment if they don't want to treat you as such then another company will right exactly
2: yeah it's i I think and i do this by the way I, i think that we as americans probably in a corporate sphere undervalue ourselves as employees. Mm-hmm. The disparity between executive pay and employee pay is way higher than it's ever been in our country. And that's why, because we undervalue ourselves.
1: Um, someone from the 314, by the way, checks mm-hmm. in with a very good point. Make sure you check your company policies. A lot of them will charge you if you leave right after oh, completing okay. your MBA. So make sure you're yeah. not putting yourself in a, in a tight spot.
2: I wasn't aware of that, Michelle. The day that I was done with college, I was done with schooling. Uh, there was going to be no postgraduate stuff for Randy. You, I had to talk my way into getting graduated with 119 and a half credit hours.
1: <laughs> and this I was when you do, my way
2: into that. This is
1: when you were doing broadcasting, yeah. which is what you're <laughs> elite at, which is hilarious. Yeah, I don't think Randy I could see you getting your MBA, but I could see you doing uh or getting one of those honorary doctorates, you know, like a Taylor Swift would get where NYU is like, "Oh, you're a doctor of music yeah. or whatever." Yeah. I could see some um university out there saying, "Randy Carricker as a doctor of broadcasting and giving you an honorary doctorate, so you may not be done just yet."
2: Yeah. Um, Michelle is looking at you, Lindenwood University.
1: That's right. <laughs> Randy's in his high school Hall of Fame, right?
2: Yeah, going in in November.
1: That's right. Hall of Famer, Rick. Oh, you got to put much. that on your uh, on your checks when you sign it. But um, <laughs> I, I would imagine that there's a school out there that would acknowledge that you are, in fact, a doctor of broadcasting. And would you introduce yourself that way if you got an honorary doctorate? Oh, Excuse me, I'm Dr. Yeah. Carricker yeah. Thank you.
2: Hi, Mr. Carriker. Doctor. <laughs> yeah, right. That'd be awesome. I don't think so. That's Michelle. Thank you very much. You got it. And thanks for your text. Hope we helped you out. Next up, the Cardinals, as we mentioned earlier, they should win the division. But what in house remedy is going to be the key for them to win the division? That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: smallman on 101 espn the cardinals will try to get on a roll here after the all-star break starting in cincinnati then they go to toronto for a pair as well and michelle there are some in-house options that can benefit the cardinals as they return from the break they just got tyler o'neill back so we'll count him in this discussion in as to what in-house options the cardinals can best utilize to win their division You've got O'Neill coming back. You've got Harrison Bader coming back. You've got Steven Matz coming back. You've got Guy Agos, You've got Yachty. And, of course, you have, if you aren't aware of it, the uh, International League uh, Player of the Week in Paul DeYoung, if you want to get him going, too.
1: You think we'll see him again?
2: I don't think so. I, I don't either. I, when Mo said he got Wally pipped, I thought that was kind of the, not a great term, but the death knell for his St. Louis career.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you come back from that.
2: No, it's pretty tough. Pretty tough. Yeah, and the Cardinals, they they. But have... shout out
1: to Paulie D, though. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a, an RBI a game guy in the minors. He's hitting the daylights out of the ball. So yeah, you got to give him props for being able to bounce back. I just don't think that he'll be able to, in this environment, do it. And I don't think the Cardinals probably want to risk him failing at the major league level again. I would think that in two weeks, and the trade deadline two weeks from yesterday, if he keeps playing like that in the minors, I would think that he'll be able to have higher value than he would, and this is only two weeks anyway, but coming up here and either sitting on the bench or failing again. I think the Cardinals would prefer that he continue to succeed. By the way, International League hitters uh, last week, three homers, 11 RBIs, seven runs scored and 1.273 OPS. And DeYoung has 47 RBIs and 46 games played with Memphis this year. But Michelle, I'm going to go with Yachty. I think that that's the internal option that will best benefit the Cardinals as they try to win this division. And the reason is, we, we, we're we talking about pitching. The Cardinals' ERA is literally a half a run a game better with Yachty or Molina behind the plate than the other catchers. And if you want to improve the pitching, the best thing that you can do is get a, a great guide for those young pitchers. I don't care if Yachty gets a hit. Hit him ninth, hit the pitcher. Hit, hit Wayno. And let <laughs> Yachty be the guy that sits. But... uh I think that behind the plate, he can make a massive difference for the team.
1: I'm surprised that you chose Yadi. That's not where I thought you were going to go with this, Randy. My first thought was Steven Matz, because clearly pitching is the need. Mm-hmm. He's your biggest offseason acquisition, and if he could be healthy, he could at least help help you strengthen your rotation. But the guy I'm looking at and that I've circled is Tyler O'Neill. 34 home runs last season, Gold Glover in left field. If Tyler O'Neill can be the Tyler O'Neill that we saw last year specifically in the second half, this is a completely different Cardinals Team that we're talking yeah. about, and if you compare him with what Paul Goldschmidt is doing, and if Nolan Arenado can can be Nolan Arenado at the same time, that is a lineup that will scare the opposition.
2: Yeah, that was my second choice. If you could have a top five of Edmund Carlson. Goldschmidt, Arenado, O'Neal, and they're all at the top of their games. doesn't matter what your bottom four does. You're going to score a ton of runs if those guys are at the top of their run. You could, if, if you have that, then you just throw Yadi into the ninth spot, and you literally do. You, <laughs> know, you, you just give up the DH and say, okay, well, Yadi will be our guy that we, we don't hit for. Or he'll be the guy that we DH for. That's it. But we'll let the pitcher hit. in
1: classic, you know, devil magic form. It'd be Yachty that comes up and gets a clutch hit yeah, right. because we've seen him do well, it so many times. He's got the, the playoffs, clutch gene. Right? Yeah. Yachty would totally do it.
2: What about Harrison Bader? We all talk. We talk all the time about the Cardinals record with Bader and it, it's you can't escape it because it's such a huge sample size. And they're so far over 500 with him and so far under 500 without him. He's a difference maker.
1: That's where I thought you were going with this, because I know that you love those numbers mm-hmm. that you got about the Cardinals winning percentage when Harrison Bader is healthy and with the team in playing and when he's not. And even though Dylan Carlson has done a great job in center field and he's really shown how how valuable he is to this mm-hmm. team, kind of like Tommy Edmond, he, he showed his versatility and, and that he's, he's valuable. We talked about the spine of this defense and how important the defense is to this club. And with Yachty back and Harrison Bader back, that's just going to make them better.
2: And it'll make all those pitchers better. And if you can just get Steven Matz to throw pitches and not walk guys, then you've got something. And I, I think that if we look at the history of Steven Matz, it's kind of a roller coaster ride. And that's why we all know that the Cardinals need another more consistent pitcher as the number three guy. But here's the thing, Michelle. If you can have Mats as a number four, and Hudson, Libertor, Palante, whomever it might be as your number five, then all of a sudden that's a pretty good looking pitching staff. You could actually go on a run if you have a representative number three starting pitcher. Let's just throw the name Frankie Montas out there. Okay. Okay. If Wayne, and you have roughly sixty games left if you would do that with 50 games left, you could have a run, if you have a starting rotation of Wainwright, Michaelis, Montas, Mats, young pitcher, you could win 16 out of 20, and not only win the division, but run away
1: with it. You really could, and I'm looking at the this list Randy, and it's kind of amazing that the Cardinals are in the position that they're in right now Mm -hmm. when you're removing 34 home runs and a gold glover in left field. The best defensive center fielder in the game in Harrison Bader, another gold glover. Your biggest offseason acquisition from a pitching standpoint and what should be your third pitcher in the rotation. Oh, and a Hall of Fame catcher. When you don't have those guys available to you and you're still in this position in the division, and yes, I know it's a weak division, it's pretty impressive. And you're going to get that much better when you have the, the easiest schedule in the second half. We should see the Cardinals roll in the second half.
2: Michelle, you just provided nuance, and we don't want anything to do with nuance.
1: No, we just want to be angry.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: But think about it. That's a lot of hardware it, it and, and a it's lot amazing. of important pieces that are not with your team right now.
2: Right, and it, I I would argue that, for example, let's just uh, throw the Dodgers out there. And granted, they did lose their left fielder, right? They, they, they lost Chris Taylor. But if the Dodgers lose... Bellinger and Will Smith and Trey Turner, uh, it's going to be a different-looking team. Mm -hmm. And that's before losing any pitchers. Now, they have lost a lot of pitchers. That's worked out for them. But it doesn't matter who you are. If you lose half of your starting lineup, you've got problems.
1: And we tend to complain that the Cardinals didn't do enough in the offseason. They don't have Mm -hmm. enough enough depth. You can certainly suggest that from a pitching standpoint. But the fact that they are able to plug and play with a lot of these young guys and still be in this position suggests that they actually do have more depth than we give them credit for.
2: And not only that, not only that, Michelle, they've got all these guys that have come up to the major league level and they still have seven top 100 prospects in the minor leagues. They're in a pretty good spot. I would say so. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it
2: We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with Take It or Leave It. Michelle, SEC Media Days this week. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt, pretty bad program. They lose 10 games pretty much every year. Yeah,
1: so smart, though. Yeah,
2: Here is uh, their coach, Clark Lee, when he went to the podium at SEC Media Days to talk about his team and his vision for Vanderbilt football.
3: We know that in
4: time, Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. As I stated a year ago, there are no cheat codes, no shortcuts, no hacks that'll allow this to happen overnight.
2: Take it or leave it, he just misread his transcript and he meant to say that in time, Vanderbilt will be the best program in the county.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll take that. I also love that he's using academic terms to describe the football team. There's no cheat codes, yeah. there's no hacks. We get it. You're smart.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, by the way, Dave Matter uh, pointed this out. So each coach has an opening statement. Lane Kiffin, 220 words. Eli Drinkwitz, 984 words. Nick Saban, 1,339 words. Clark Lee, 2,340 words wow. for his opening statement. You know, you just don't need to say it. It's You can even think it, but don't say it.
1: Also, I love... Uh, read the room. If mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not supposed to talk longer than Nick Saban.
2: No, you aren't.
1: <laughs> read the room, dude. Yeah, yeah, Let yeah. Nick Saban have the longest uh, the longest amount of time at the podium. If you're talking longer than Nick Saban, you're doing it wrong.
2: Exactly. One other quick quick one though for both of you. Take it or leave it. In our lifetime, Vanderbilt is the best football program in America.
1: I don't even need to think about it. I'm leaving it. I'm going to leave it too. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so. Um, 23-year-old American dude, Randy, went to Italy and he walked on an unauthorized path to reach the summit of Mount Vesuvius. For those who don't know, Mount Vesuvius is, in fact, an active volcano. Oh, I thought it was
2: a spaghetti and meatballs dish. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Really? Yeah. Never had it, but I'm sure it's delicious. But no, Mount Vesuvius is in fact an active volcano, which is why this path is unauthorized. Why did this 23-year-old American dude walk on the unauthorized path to get to the summit of Mount Vesuvius? Because he wanted to take a selfie. He wanted to take a selfie. And he did, in fact, get the selfie. But as he was doing so, snapped the pic, dropped the phone into the active volcano, tried to retrieve it, and fell in. Park officials had to come rescue him. He only sustained minor injuries, but is really just an embarrassment for all of us. However, that's not where I'm going here. Take it or leave it. If this was you and you went back to America and you went to the Apple store and you got your new phone, and somehow the photo was on the cloud, you would still post it to the gram.
2: Ooh, you know what, Michelle? I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to take that.
1: <laughs> if you fell into the volcano mm-hmm. because you were trying to take a selfie, you better post the picture. Absolutely. Once you, if it's on the cloud, you yeah. be, as embarrassing as it is because you've made international headlines for being yeah. a dumb American tourist, you better post the picture.
2: Yeah. I thought, because there were people that, a couple fell into a volcano that was actually rumbling underneath the surface and they fell in taking a selfie and died
1: <laughs> this guy survived
2: unbelievable
1: they shout out to the italian park officials who rescued him
2: isn't there a, an album american idiot yes green oh, day green day yeah there yeah. you go so that's a yeah that's that's what this guy is He's shout
1: american. out to green day
2: yeah, absolutely. All right, what do we got on the text line, Matthew?
1: Yeah, of course it's an American, by the way. Yeah,
2: look, of course yeah, it's I mean, one of us. It's not going to be anybody from any other country. <laughs> no. It's only going to be an American. Big time. Take it or leave it. Moe's deadline
4: moves. Are IL players being reactivated? Yachty, Bader, and Matt Oh, totally take it.
1: I'm going to leave oh. it. There'll be another small thing in there to get people upset. <laughs> Come on. That's That's there'll, be, there'll be some point. minor pitching move that gets people riled up.
2: Take it or leave it there is a move that mo could make at the deadline that would be universally beloved by cardinal fans
1: i will take that really yes if you went out and got Juan soto i don't think that many people would be complaining he's a star among stars he's the he's the brightest star out there
2: i would complain if he didn't get pitching
1: you'd be excited at least for a little bit i
2: would but i don't think that that would be universally beloved especially if he had to give up a couple of prospects
1: I think people might be nervous, Mm -hmm. but until we got to maybe mid-September and we really freaked out about the pitching, Mm -hmm. I think for a while it'd be so fun.
2: Yeah. Take it or leave it. If the Cardinals would trade Tyler O'Neal for Juan Soto, down the stretch, Tyler O'Neal would have more homers and RBIs. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to take it.
1: I just hope he's healthy the entire
2: time. (laughs)
4: Yeah, right. Sorry, I just, there's a Janet mic drop where she's she's not happy about the possibility of Juan Soto. And when Michelle said, is there anybody who wouldn't be happy with this? I was like, I've Janet. got one. <laughs> there you, know, you go. I'm trying to get it up. Uh, take it early to Goldie and Arenado finish their careers in a Cardinal uniform.
1: I'm going to half take it. Oh. I think one, maybe not both. Mm,
2: okay. Does uh, Nolan opt out?
1: Maybe. Oh.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to leave that as well. Because yeah, you you're, have are abandoning it a
4: 35 year old Goldschmidt to the free agency market. You already said that yesterday. Well, yeah, he's not going to be back. He might sign <laughs> somewhere else.
2: True.
1: <laughs> I just think it'd be difficult to retain both of them for the the distance of their careers.
2: Michelle, there's got to be a place for J Dub to play. I'm sorry, who? Jordan Walker, J-Dub. Oh,
1: we've already called him J-Dub. We've, okay. We,
2: we asked him. Yeah, you did. Board sure with talking about... Friend of the show, Jordan yeah, Walker. Great. There's two corner outfields. Yeah, there is. So you've got Dylan Carlson in one corner. No, no, field. no. I have Dylan Carlson in center field. Huh? Oh, do you? Look at the way he's playing. He's been killing he's it in center field. Yeah. But who, who do they like in center field? Who's their face <laughs> of the franchise? Harrison Bader's got a great face. He sure does.
4: Take it or leave it by Great the end. <laughs> exactly. Take it or leave it. By the end of August, Soto will be a Cardinal and Kachuk will be a blue.
1: I'll half take it.
4: <laughs>
1: Again, I'll half take okay, it. I like this. Good. I'm gonna take <laughs> Kachuk. There's movement.
4: All right, based I'm on that. I'm gonna
1: leave Soto.
4: Take it or leave it. You're more interested in the blues off- rest of the offseason than the Cardinals trade deadline.
1: I'm gonna leave it because I would not be all that surprised if Matthew Kachuk was acquired by the Blues. I will be surprised by whatever the Cardinals d- determine as the best move for them. Because I really don't know where they're going to go. There doesn't seem to be one obvious fit that you think that they're going to go out and, and grab.
2: I'm going to leave it because I think that the Matthew Kachuk, that's more of an us thing than, than a them thing. I don't see the team that's taken Vladimir Tarasenko at this point. I think if you were going to be able to move Tarasenko, you already would have.
1: True. But... Would it totally surprise you if this was all part of a long game by Army and he was somehow able to make it happen? Would it totally surprise you? It
2: would now because we're past free agency and nobody has a cap space to do it. And he's, I can't imagine, now maybe I have him completely misread, but I can't imagine that Vladimir Tarasenko would agree to waive his no-trade clause to go play for Daryl Sutter for one year in Calgary.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like it'd be the best fit for him. No. However... Doug Armstrong is a wizard, and when yes, you see is, someone he's... do magical things time after time, you start to believe that they're capable of anything. Just like Albert Pujols, right? Every time mm-hmm. he steps in the box, I expect him to do something great because I've seen it time and time again.
2: Here's the thing: Doug Armstrong traded Patrick Berglund, and Patrick Berglund quit playing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? So you, if you can foresee that, that's very impressive. Yeah. I don't know if he foresaw the, uh, the drug house that Yuri Laterra allegedly had, allegedly. But still, he saw it. Well, you train a guy that just can't play. Yori Laterra couldn't play anymore. Yeah, he got, come on. He got Braden Chen for him.
1: And you don't think that this guy could somehow pull off a Matthew Kachuk deal? Of course he could.
2: Under the, he, He's just got to go to Gary and say, Gary, I need a break on the cap for a little while.
1: Come on, Gary.
4: Take it or leave it. Dylan Carlson is the leader of this team by 2025. Mm, Does that mean he's the bus great driver?
2: One.
1: 2025.
2: You know Ooh. what? That's a. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave
1: it. I'm very interested to see who your pick is.
2: Well, I'm leaving it because I don't think that Dylan Carlson has a leadership personality.
1: I I said was thinking the exact same thing.
2: I think he he could be your leader as a player, but I don't think that... We were talking about the bus driver. I don't think that he's going to be the bus driver because I don't think that he is forward-facing enough that he's the guy that when your team has lost 10 of 12, the media goes into the room and he's there waiting just because he's the spokesman of the team.
1: I'll say this, though. We said kind of the same thing, or at least a lot of people did, about Alex Petrangelo. Mm -hmm. They said, I don't know if he's got the fiery demeanor to be a leader. And he was a great captain the first cup in franchise history and when you watch the behind-the-scenes footage from the quests of the cup and all of the the docu-series and things that were done on the blues you saw the way that he led how right before the game he would go to Vladdy and say you're the best player on the ice and you need to go out there and, and show them why and he he might not be the guy that's gonna say everything with the tone that you expect him to or, or breaking a stick or you know Dylan Carlson might not show you that outwardly, but just like Paul Goldschmidt, that doesn't mean that he's not leading within right. the clubhouse.
2: I think the guy's Tommy Edmond.
1: That's what he was going to be my pick, too. Yeah. I think he's being groomed to be the, the next face of the Cardinals. He's so versatile. He's obviously incredibly talented and athletic. He's following in Adam Wainwright's footsteps with the, the charity, and mm-hmm. he's a great interview. I could totally see him being the bus driver.
2: Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text to the year. Comfort service text line 65780. Coming up next, what'd you think of those All Star Game jerseys? Loved them. That's next on up, <laughs> 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's
3: fresh take.
1: Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks.
3: Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
2: in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you, and the American League wins the All-Star Game for the ninth time in a row. 3-2 was the final. Cardinals were represented very well last night. Michelle, Paul Goldschmidt with that first inning home run, a solo shot to make it 2-0 in favor of the National League. And then Ryan Helsley was brilliant. He got up to 103 miles an hour, struck out two in his inning of work.
1: Yeah, good representation by the St. Louis Cardinals last night in the All-Star Game. Way to go, guys.
2: So, and unfortunately, Albert didn't get an opportunity to play. That would have been nice, but it happens.
1: Didn't he hit? Did he? Hit? I thought he did early in the game.
2: Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say I could have sworn I saw it. Yeah, him. he just didn't he wasn't uh he didn't have the best performance. Yeah, he, he hit for Contreras early on. Yeah, okay, I was um, going to say, I could have yeah.
1: sworn. I, yeah. I, I mean, Randy, I know I'm tired, and sometimes yeah. when I'm watching games at night, I I forget things, but I could have sworn that I saw him.
2: So it, there was a, when he was in his prime, there was a an all-star game in 2007 where Tony didn't play him.
1: Because he wanted him to rest?
2: He was available as a pinch hitter at the very end. I don't think that was it. He was available as a pinch hitter in the bottom or the top of the ninth, and uh, Tony didn't let him hit was unbelievable Hmm. tony took a lot of grief for that
1: Um, as he should have yeah
2: so the cardinals do wind up with the hit from goldie and uh he goes one for one and then uh helsley with his inning of work albert goes 0 for 1 as a pinch hitter for contreras and the national league falls by a score of three to the big story though was the national league jerseys were great The American League jerseys were not.
1: What? I loved them.
2: Hate monochrome and hate anthracite. But otherwise, I liked them a lot. If they would have had a Dodger blue shirt with gray pants for the American League, with the gold lettering for the teams and all that, I would have liked it. But just not anthracite on anthracite. I, I can't abide that. Even when Mizzou wears it, it's gross.
1: I loved it. I thought it was so clean. I thought it looked so fresh. I love the, the gray with the gold. I, I was thinking as I was watching it last night that I wish a team would have that color combo full-time, the gray and the gold. I love it.
2: Yeah, when uh,
1: Modern, it's,
2: it's awesome. One of the worst things to happen to baseball in the last few years was when the Diamondbacks went to that dark gray and you had everybody normal. So everybody's got the same shade of gray at the All-Star game, except poor Goldie. He's there wearing that horrible gray that the the, the uh, Diamondbacks were turning out. Yeah, I, I, that's just not my vibe. I I don't like the monochrome to start, and then I don't like the I don't like the anthracite on anthracite. It would have been better if they would have just had normal gray, you know, the gray pants like teams wear on the road in baseball. But no, they, they they decided to go anthracite on anthracite. I'm sure they'll sell a lot of them.
1: Is anthracite a color of gray?
2: It's kind of like between gray and black, yeah.
1: Okay, because I was going to go charcoal. That's That's the color that I... I mean, anthracite sounds very fancy, though.
2: Yeah. Mizzou's got a big anthracite part of their Nike collection.
1: Yeah, I thought... I I really liked it. I thought it it looked very good. I know I'm in the minority here, and that most people just didn't like the homogenous uniforms, period. Mm -hmm. That they like you to see the players wearing their team's laundry because it's a representation of where you came from which is you know that's cool too but I thought that if you were gonna go everybody's wearing the same thing I thought this color combo was great
2: it wasn't really a combo it was just a color
1: but with the gold I do like the gold Yeah, all stars should have gold
2: if I see the Dodger blue with the gold I I feel even if it's the Dodger blue (laughs) on blue I would still hate it but I'd like the color better it's just a matter of and I'm, I'm a colorblind guy. guy That's so, true.
1: That's yeah. true. So maybe we didn't get the full grasp of what it looked like. And trust yeah. me, it looked amazing. So you know I'm not a jersey girl. I do not own one jersey. Mm-hmm. I would never buy a jersey. I thought to myself last night, if I was forced to buy a jersey, this is the one I would oh. buy.
2: I would go with the National League, the white one, but not the gray. I Matthew, loved it. Yeah, Matthew, weigh in.
4: I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't really care whether or not I actually like the jersey they used last night. The point is that they shouldn't have been using any kind of as Michelle put it, homogenous jersey. I mean, use have the players wear their individual ones, maybe spice it up in some way for the All-Star game, like a gold piping or something along mm-hmm. the along the logo for each individual team. Change it up, but don't don't ever ever go away from players wearing their individual jerseys. It make the All-Star game pops, what's fun. It's the only All-Star game where you can conceivably really get away with it. Uh, maybe the NBA one, but obviously you can't do it in, in the NHL or, or uh, NFL because it could lead to problems pretty quickly. And so I just say say do it. It's better. It's always been fun. It looked better for the home run derby. Switch it back up to go. You know, weird home run jerseys for the derby and then the game. Maybe it just that's just showing that they care more about the derby than the game.
2: Let's see if they have those babies uh, at MLB.com. You think they're selling them today? Oh uh, God, yeah.
1: I bet they're super expensive. Yeah. yeah. What's your, before you look, what's your mm-hmm. guess on price? I say 300 plus. I
2: was going to go 249. Okay. All right, let's see what we got here. Here they are. Shop now. Not bad. What's, uh, what, do we have the price? Um, 159 wow. customized.
1: Wow. I was way off. Yeah. I just thought a specialty uniform MLB would jack up the price.
2: I did too. Uh, certainly more than 159, which is not But I've never really bought a jersey, so view. I didn't
1: even know what a regular jersey would run you. I think a
2: regular jersey costs like, Almost three hundred dollars. Really? Weigh in six five seven eight zero oh, MLB jerseys. I'll find
1: one right now. Uh,
2: Cardinals jersey. Let's Research see. is on it. Okay, so you've got player jerseys. Regular
1: What's jerseys one thirty four ninety nine. That's better than I thought. Yeah.
5: Hmm.
2: Okay, and you can even get like a Mike Schmidt or a Carlton Fisk jersey. Those guys aren't getting traded now for ninety five bucks.
4: This just shows it right now. You can get uh, to get the full to get the customized uh, Braves one. It costs uh, 464 To get the customized Padres one, it costs $200. Oh.
1: <laughs> oh, so it varies per team?
4: It looks like it does.
1: That's hmm. ridiculous.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure there's, you know, supply and demand. They, they jack it up as the, the Braves ones start going a little hotter.
1: I wish that the Cardinals would have been in the gray with the gold. I would have bought that hat. Really? I think it's very chic. I liked it. Yeah. I, I liked, would have purchased yeah. it.
2: I did like the National League jerseys better than the American League. But maybe it's because I just like. No, would I would buy like one. Gold on white. No. No, I would not. No chance. Either one.
1: Are you a specialty jersey guy? I'm
2: not. A, I'm not a jersey guy at all. No, I don't buy jerseys either. When's
1: the last time you wore a jersey?
2: Probably during the greatest show on turf era. And what was,
1: it, was it? I know. Was it Kurt? I think it was Isaac. Wow. Oh, yeah.
2: that's a good jersey. Would yeah. you wear it to the games? Yeah, now and then. Nice. Yeah. Usually, I wore shirts, but not like for big days. I would wear. Uh, Isaac or Kurt yeah
1: okay and here's a follow-up question okay do you still have it
2: no I don't have any jerseys left at all
1: that's what I was wondering because I remember when the Rams left you took all of your Rams gear you purged it you gave it away Mm -hmm. donation because you're a charitable guy but I didn't know if you kept the greatest show on turf stuff
2: I do have greatest show on turf stuff just not the jerseys Uh, because you'll
1: never wear it again
2: exactly right but I've got some photos in the house and stuff like that, yeah. some footballs, things like that. But yeah, no jerseys left. Some uh, somebody's wearing that jersey now. I don't know where.
1: Would that be fun if there was a show where you could find out where that stuff went? That'd be funny. Who who do you think has it now?
2: Somebody in L.A.
1: One time, I donated something that had my sorority letters on it huh? in college, and I saw a homeless man riding a bike, and he had the jacket on.
2: I've had I that like, happen too. Up? Represent. Yeah. So when I left my first radio station, I had a lot of gear and I gave it to uh, the New Life Evangelistic Center. And I was downtown one time and there's somebody wearing uh, some, some homeless guy walking, wearing a, a KMOX t shirt. I kind of felt bad. But nice. <laughs> I was glad that I was able to help clothe somebody, though.
1: One time, the Rams, uh, when we were the home of the Rams, sent over jerseys for us because they wanted us yeah, to right. display them and get hyped up um we got mike sims walker
2: oh that's right yeah that was hung up in the the office for a long time for you guys yeah i,
1: I wonder where that one went yeah.
2: and they were kind enough our friend lisa Boas actually made us up 101 jerseys with yeah. our names on them you know so number 101 and that was cool that was nice of her actually i may i may have had that framed i don't know a good question that might be around my house too
1: the framed 101 rams jersey yeah if you have that you've got to bring it and put it in the okay. show office well okay. i don't know do we want ram stuff in there yeah, yeah.
2: Maybe not. but i i have one of the saturday mike mathini one time i was emceeing an event for his charity and he got me one of the saturday home cardinal jerseys with character 101 also that's awesome. and that one is framed
1: that one's very cool yeah. now one more question if you could if you could only wear one jersey. Of any person, of any sport, ever again. Whose would it be?
2: I would probably go. I'd probably go with Isaac.
1: Can't go wrong with no, Isaac
2: uh, Bruce. How about you? So I, I've only had like I would go, like I would go number jersey.
1: twenty-nine, Chris Carpenter.
2: That'd be good. See, he's my guy. You know that. I, I've never owned a Cardinal jersey. I've never owned a Blues sweater. So. I've, I've only had Ram stuff. I had a, a Kyle Turley one time for Halloween, got the big blonde flowing wig going. Uh, and I had Kurt and Isaac, and I had some, I thought I had a fourth one, maybe not. Maybe those are just the three. So anyway, I've I've never worn a jersey to a Cardinal game. Uh, that's Michelle, I'm Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, what's going to happen with Matthew Kachuk and could he land in St. Louis? That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Yesterday I became Ferrario Eric Francis of SportsNet CA join them. And Michelle, uh, I didn't get an opportunity to hear this, but what we're going to hear is very compelling from Eric Francis in regards to the Flames and St. Louis and Matthew Kachuk.
1: It is. I was driving around listening to Became Ferrario yesterday. I actually texted the guys after the interview because it was great information from Eric Francis about what is going on with the Matthew Kachuk situation and the sense of urgency surrounding it. I couldn't even get out of my car because, you know, we're very invested Mm -hmm. in this Matthew Kachuk Mm -hmm. thing. And If you are in Calgary right now, I think you pretty much are seeing that the writing's on the wall.
2: Matthew did not file for arbitration, so the Flames filed for arbitration with him, and that gave them a little bit of flexibility in dealing with Matthew Kachuk. But if the Blues are going to go after him, Eric Francis says it's going to take a haul.
6: Hey, the core of this team, yeah, you're losing your two superstars, no question about it. Matthew Kachuk. And Johnny Gaudreau, they made up the best line in hockey this year by a country mile. And, uh, you know, with Elias Lindholm, obviously massive hole when you lose Gaudreau for nothing. Kachuk, you're going to get a return. You're going to get a top six forward. There's no question about it. You're going to get draft picks. You're going to get young prospects. I mean, I think Matthew Kachuk, and I've said this for years, uh, he's an absolute unicorn in the National Hockey League. The only guy who I think you can come close to comparing him to is Brad Marchand because of the way they play, their their offensive abilities uh the ability to agitate the ability to turn a game with a hit uh with with his mouth (laughs) uh he's a leader uh i can't tell you i I think more of matthew goodcheck than almost any player in the national hockey league because of the skill set combination that he brings and i think the hall is going to be massive and you're right you, you go into the season you lose a little bit of your negotiating power you go to the trade deadline well, then you've narrowed the amount of teams that are interested in Matthew Kachuk, you know, by a, a huge number as well. So you got to rip the Band-Aid off. Listen, this organization here in Calgary lost Mark Giordano, their captain, last year for nothing. The year before, they lost T.J. Brody, who was their number two defenseman, for nothing. They lost Travis Hamanick, who was a top four defenseman, for nothing. Uh, I could keep going on, but there's a long history of losing guys for nothing Uh, This is not going to happen this
2: time around. Matthew Kachuk with 42 goals and 62 assists. And, Michelle, I think it's safe to say that if Matthew Kachuk would have been a member of the Blues during these playoffs that payback for Nazem Kadri would have been swift and decisive.
1: Yeah, we talk about the sandpaper and who's going to be mm-hmm. that guy to enact the physicality. Matthew Kachuk is the guy and he brings with that a lot of firepower. He is a weapon in so many ways. But I thought that this was such compelling information from Eric Francis because we don't think about the context there about how Calgary has had so many guys in recent history leave and they've gotten nothing in return. Mm-hmm. And now that Johnny Goudreau is not in, in the picture, they're looking at Matthew Kachuk and of course they want to retain him because he is that unicorn. He is so valuable. But if they understand that he wants to go back stateside and they're not going to be able to convince him to stay or offer him enough to stay, they better get a haul for him because I don't know how you consistently explain this to your fan base if you lose all of these solid players and you've got nothing to show for it.
2: And at some point, the value of Matthew Kachuk to other teams will go down. The fewer regular season games you have him for... If you don't have him under contract, then the less his value is. So, Eric Francis, how soon do you think this might happen?
6: The Calgary Flames have done this to buy more time, more than anything else. It's pretty clear to me that the two are parting ways and that uh, a long-term deal can't be signed by Matthew Kachuk, which comes as no surprise to me. The Calgary Flames wanted to buy more time to do the inevitable, which is try to get some significant assets for Matthew Kachuk and say goodbye to him. I do believe this will be wrapped up within the week.
2: It, within the week.
1: Within the week.
2: Who's got nine million dollars of cap space? What good team has nine million dollars of cap space?
1: I almost ran off the road when I heard him say that with <laughs> I go, within the week. I mean, you you have to think about it though. If they're trying to buy more time so that they can make the calls and try and get the haul that they want mm-hmm. for him. But if I'm if I'm Calgary. And I have had my discussions and I realized that he's not going to stay. I, I like Eric Francis said, am going to rip the Band-Aid off. I want to get this done and see what I can get for him. I want to capitalize on other teams' perceived sense of urgency and come to the table and say, I've got this unicorn. I clearly need a lot for him. What do you have? And I'm trying to drive up the price by calling all mm-hmm. of these different organizations to see what I can get for organizations,
2: him. Organizations, we're talking about.
1: Like- organizations, yeah. excuse me. Sorry.
2: <laughs> no problem. So if, when you have a unicorn, one thing about unicorns, Michelle, they're expensive.
1: I think that they have an idea of what they're looking
6: for. I think it's all relatively new that, again, I, I'm speculating that, that this conversation has been hap- that has happened recently with Matthew Kachuk and the Flames saying, you know what, we're just not going to sign long term. And we might as well tell you that now. And, and let's work together. Calgary Flames are going to get a whole lot more than what uh, the Chicago Blackhawks caught for the it
2: and i really am of the belief and this is just piecing together threads of information that i have gotten over the last couple of years that the preparation has been in place for matthew and his camp to tell the flames look i'm not resigning with you mm-hmm. this isn't I, I don't think to anybody in this room this isn't a surprise what would be a surprise if he didn't is if he didn't ultimately land up with the wind up with the blues and i also have to believe that Calgary knows that he's not going to sign an extension with anybody but the Blues.
1: Yeah. It's almost like Calgary's an arranged marriage and his true (laughs) love is here. And you know (laughs) that you can try and force that, but inevitably your heart's going to be somewhere else. And it just seems like all of the stars have been aligning for this to happen, and we're getting closer and closer to the actual time when it's going to be executed. And will it happen within a week? I don't know, but it just seems like whether it's in a week or with that when it's, or if it's in a year that this is a foregone conclusion. At least in my mind.
2: So one more thing from Eric Francis: Would Jordan Kyrou, who was essentially a point of game guy, well, he was a point of game guy for the Blues last year. Would he have to be the centerpiece for a trade for Kachuk? Yeah,
6: I think that's, that's pretty safe to say. I mean, I it's not exactly. I, I'm not in a position where I'd be able to say they would live and die and say, well, this is it's either him or no one. Um, you know, I know the name Tarasenko is already popping up with people, but that's a whole different situation, right? I, I, you're looking for a young a cornerstone building player, and Cairo fits the bill, no question about it. I, I haven't had a chance since this whole story's kind of broken. And, and I, again, I knew that Matthew Tkachuk wasn't long for the Flames, but it it's still, this week has been a whirlwind in Calgary. You know, people are just getting over the chance, of the fact that Gaudreau's gone for nothing. And 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 now people are trying to you know comprehend the fact that they're probably going to lose Kachuk too. So I haven't looked around the league to see what possible fits there are, but yes, Cairo would be exactly the type of player that the Calgary Flames would want to be the cornerstone of any trade.
2: One team that has a ton of capital to trade for a guy like Matthew Kachuk is the Seattle Kraken. They have the cap space. They've, got, they've collected a ton of draft choices. He's a young centerpiece type player. If I were Seattle, I would be calling Calgary and saying, okay, what would it take to get him here? And see if he can convince him that Seattle's so awesome that he wants to be there. Other teams that have the available cap space, Detroit, and they're trying to rebuild I don't know that that's the best fit. Chicago's not even trying. The Islanders right now have $11 million in cap space, but they have some players that they need to re-sign. Dallas actually has cap space, but I don't know if they have the capital to go out and get him. And then you've got Ottawa, Winnipeg, Buffalo, Arizona, Anaheim. None of those teams are getting a Matthew Kachuk. My question would be, and he brought up the name Tarasenko, would Vladdy and this would be a big concession on his part, Mm -hmm. be willing to go to Calgary for a year or until he... He wouldn't be there a year. He'd get flipped. But would he be willing to go to Calgary, give up his no trade to go to the Flames?
1: The only way that I could see that happening, because he's in a good position now to win, and it seems like everything last year was water under the bridge. But if I'm Army and he he wanted to get out, and I said, hang tight, we're going to find the right spot for you... And you have my word that I'll get you out of here. I will go to him and say, I'm getting you out. This is what mm-hmm. you wanted. You didn't want to be here. And I told you that I would get you out. And this is what it works best for both parties. You only have to be there a year. This is your opportunity to continue to prove that you're healthy and that you're a force in this league. But you wanted out and I have found a spot for you.
2: And if you're Calgary, at least in terms of production, if you could go get both Kairu and Tarasenko, your fans are feeling pretty good at least for the year, about getting that back. And you have Kyru for a longer term than you have Vladdy, but it gives you a chance to compete at a higher level.
1: Yeah, absolutely, especially after Eric Francis had laid out all of the guys who left and they got nothing in return. At least if I'm a Flames fan, I can say I got a guy who's been one of the best players in the National Hockey League who can take over a game and carry a team if he wants to. And I have a young all-star who is growing into what could be a foundational piece for my franchise.
2: That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And we'll keep an eye on that one for you here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, it's the fight.
0: We're right back
2: to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire
0: and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. 838
1: in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Which means it's time for the fight. I'm Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. We are welcoming in Terrence, who's going to be Randy's challenger. Good morning, Terrence. How you doing?
6: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
1: We are doing well. Thanks so much. Terrence, where are you from?
6: I'm really from St. Louis. But I'm calling you from beautiful downtown Los Angeles.
1: Why are you in L.A., Terrence? Do you live there?
6: <laughs> yes, I'm really from St. Louis. Uh, I, I live out here, but not here first. About 25 years
1: now. Awesome! What brought you to sunny California?
6: Sunny California. <laughs> <The> weather, <laughs> Good answer. The weather, the weather, and uh, yeah, the weather primarily.
1: Awesome! Well, thank you for streaming us from Cali. That's very cool. Are you ready to challenge Rain in the fight? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. Good luck, Terrence. Question number one: The American League has won 21 of the last 25 Major League Baseball All-Star games. What city was the game in the last time the National League won? Was it Cincinnati, Kansas City, or St.
6: Louis? (laughs) I'm going to say St. Louis.
4: Ozzie Smith hit 41 points higher, 272, as a Cardinal than he did as a Padre, just 231. How many Silver Slugger awards did he win in his career? One, two, or three?
1: I'm going to say one. Terrence, who coached the 1992 Olympic basketball team, also known as the Dream Team? Was it Mike Shashevsky, Pat Riley, or Chuck Daly?
3: Chuck Daly.
4: And happy birthday to friend of the show, Benji Molina. What is the one career stat that Benji surpasses younger brother Yadier? Is that home runs, batting average, or slugging percentage?
6: Hmm. I'm going to say batting average.
1: The score is being confirmed, and it is confirmed. And Mine is being waved in. Terrence, how do you feel? You think you did a good job?
6: <laughs> well, I know for sure I got one right.
1: <laughs> I can't confirm. At least one. Randy, say good morning to Terrence, who is streaming us and calling in from sunny California.
2: Terrence, it is great to have you with us. What part of California. Los Angeles. Awesome. Great to have you with us. Thanks so much for listening on the app and thanks so much for checking in. We do appreciate it.
3: Thank you.
1: Are you ready? Ready. Question number one for Brandy. The American League has won 21 of the last 25 Major League Baseball All-Star Games. What city was the game in the last time the National League won?
2: Okay, that would be 10 years ago. That would have been probably what the... Uh, let's just work our way back here. <laughs> um 2013. twenty, nineteen, eighteen, seventeen, fifteen, 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 15, 15. two thousand thirteen. I'm gonna go with the uh, City Field in New York, Michelle. Ozzie Smith hit forty
4: one points higher, two seventy-two, as a Cardinal than he did as a Padre when hmm. he hit two thirty-one.
2: How many silver sluggers did Ozzie Smith win in his career? I think he won in nineteen eighty-seven. I'm gonna go with just that one though.
1: Randy, who coached the 1992 Olympic basketball team, also fondly known as the Dream Team?
2: Chuck Daly.
4: And happy birthday to friend of the show, Benji Molina. What is the one career stat that Benji surpasses younger brother Yadier?
2: One career
4: stat. Only one, huh? Only one. I went through all of them. Hmm. I'll do the lifeline. Is it home runs, batting average, or slugging percentage?
2: Well, it's not home runs. Uh, so it's either batting average or slugging percentage. I'm going to go with slugging percentage for Benji over Yachty.
1: Came down to the final question. One of you got it correct. The other did not. Darn it. For a final score of 3-2. to two. Is it Randy or is it Terrence, who's up very early in sunny Los Angeles? Rocky will ring the bell. A winner
0: and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker.
1: Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Terrence. Randy did pull out the answer on the final question, and he beat you three to two.
6: Okay, I'll keep listening, and uh, thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for listening, so, Terrence. Thanks for playing.
2: Terrence, you're originally from here. Is that why you're listening to St. Louis Sports Talk Radio?
6: Yes, I'm originally from St. Louis. Yeah, I only, only, I'm only a fan of the Cardinals. on the uh, – the Blues, I actually still kind of have a fan of the Rams. I'm sorry to admit.
2: That's okay. You're out there. You're allowed. So, hey, and we've, we thank you so much for listening. And uh, we're always thinking of you. We love the fact that St. Louisans are, are loyal to the, the town. So, have a great day.
3: All right. You too. Thank Take
2: care. you. Right.
1: So, the American League has won 21 of the last 25 Major League Baseball All Star games. The last time the National League won, the game was in Kansas City.
2: Kansas City.
4: Here we come. It's that okay. it was the uh, they when they won in uh, New York, it was the start of, I think, the three game like the three year oh, okay. winning streak that ended in Kansas City.
1: Ozzy Smith has won one Silver Slugger award in his career. The dream team was coached by Chuck Daly, and the one stat that Benji Molina surpasses younger brother Yadier Molina is in slugging percentage. Benji, 4'11", Yachty, 400. And also, shout out to Benji. Happy birthday to one of our favorites.
4: Happy B-Day. Also, home runs not as big of a discrepancy as you'd think. Benji only finished 29 home runs behind where Yachty is now, 144 to 173. Wow. That is surprising. Good for him. And only four points behind him. There we go. And only four points behind him batting average, 278
2: to 274. I figured that would be pretty close. Yeah. You want more?
1: I'm
3: not. (laughs) Oh, (laughs)
4: I also want to give some credit to Terence. Not only did he just uh, participate in the fight at 6:40 a.m. local time, he texted in to get into the fight at 5:04 local time where he was.
1: Good job, good job, good effort, good effort, good job. He got up that Monstrous. early for you to dunk on him. <laughs> I didn't dunk. I'm, that is. What... This is dunking. <laughs> That's not dunking. You're Jason Tatum. Nice. You're Jason Tatuming him right now.
2: <laughs> okay, sorry, Terrence. <laughs> Listen, a you, jerk.
1: you and I both know that you don't feel bad dunking on someone that just admitted on these airwaves that they cheer for the Rams.
5: It's true. I know you
1: better than that, Randy. <laughs> but we love Terrence.
5: That
6: just happened.
1: <laughs> You're killing
2: me, Smalls. Is next on 101 ESPN.
6: We're right back
0: to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
5: You're killing me, Smalls. You're
0: killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
1: Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store.
2: Jay Delsing is going to join us for the next hour. We're also going to talk to the wizard, Ozzy Smith. But right now it's time for...
1: You're killing me, Smalls. I saw this headline, Randy, and it shocked me. Big news coming out of LSU. The first on-campus Popeyes location in the SEC is coming to Baton Rouge. That's ridiculous. How has there not been not one, but multiple Popeyes on campuses in America, but specifically the SEC?
2: Yeah. How does just LSU in and of itself, how does it not have an on-campus Popeyes? That's ridiculous. I'm glad that they finally figured it out, though.
1: Me too, and take it or leave it, late take it or leave it. This is a great recruiting tool. Oh,
2: totally take <laughs> it. Yeah, that's strong. Actually, what they need to do is put one in the athletic dorm.
1: It's it's in one of the dorms. I don't know if it's the athletic dorm, but that's definitely yeah, one that needs to play. Go, it needs to go in.
2: This
4: reminds me about how there was a Chick-fil-A on Mizzou's campus until three years before they moved to the SEC. It made the most inexplicable huh. thing in the world there was one there was one in there was one in the Student Center changed everything up like four years before they went to the SEC and now they don't have one on campus and I'm like seems a little backwards they do have a yeah. Zaxby's in Columbia which
2: yeah they do that's which good just
1: took long enough um You're killing me, small. So, Randy, as we know, every Major League Baseball team gets an All-Star. Sorry, Mm -hmm. we're kind of distracted because we just got pizza delivered in the studio. Three hot pizzas. These are from our our friends at Adara. And I don't know which one's which, but we're about to feast during the commercial break. Okay. So, we've got... I'm going to have to pull up the the literature here, but they have done pizza collabs. And they... they, dropped some off for us so give me a Very second nice. there but as we know every baseball team gets at least one all-star mm-hmm. and paul blackburn pitcher for the o- oakland athletics was representing the a's and apparently they wanted to send your boy to the all-star game flying commercial and the oakland a's caught wind of this and offered to fly him with their all-stars on a private jet down to los angeles Here's Paul Blackburn talking about how this came about.
3: It was, I was just brought to me and asked if, if I wanted to fly with them. Uh, and I said, yeah, you know, if, if Dusty, if Dusty would, would allow that, then
2: yeah, of course. I would think, Michelle, that this would cause every member of the Oakland A's to not want to be there if they want to be there right now. And I would think that as players around Major League Baseball get wind of this, it would be something that would, probably entice them to wanting to go to Houston right a really nice classy move on the part of the Astros and really just an awful minor league worse than minor league move on the part of the
1: athletics no doubt someone within your division one of your division rivals catches wind that this dude is getting on a commercial flight and they offer to give him a ride and he hops on with them if you're the A's well they clearly didn't think that it would be that big of a deal, but this is such a bad look from them.
2: Yeah, and that's, uh, I think the, the kids call it weak sauce. Weak sauce. <laughs> on the part of the athletics. But the A's owner is one of the richest guys in the world. He's got multiple, what, what store did they, they, did they open his, the Gap?
4: His parents opened, yeah, the Gap Inc. It's just, and it's like, it's one thing if you're going to be stingy with your own money, but come being on. stingy with the generational just wealth when you got a team, a baseball team, have fun, throw cash around, win some championships, you're, you bum. You're in the major leagues. Come on!
1: And this is an all-star. This yeah. is the one of the biggest moments in this guy's career. Treat him right, and he went on to say that at first it was a little uncomfortable when he got on the plane because he didn't really know the guys, but then it loosened up and they ended up having a great time. And he was asked, Paul Blackburn was, if he had a message for the Astros.
5: I just want
3: to say, tell him thank you for for letting me letting me get on get on their charter um, and,
2: and finding me a ride over here to LA. That, that's just so cool.
1: That is, but that's also not great either. If you have him publicly thanking the Astros, saying what a great experience <laughs> it was, how they welcomed him in. That, that Imagine if that was the Cardinals and the Cubs found out that Paul Goldschmidt was sitting middle seat economy to go to L.A. for the All-Star game, and the Cubs said, hey, we've got, and I'm going to use All-Stars back mm. in the day, we've got Rizzo and Brian and Baez mm. going. We're just going to take you down there. And then Paul Goldschmidt is in L.A. saying, it was great. The Cubs welcomed me. It was so nice. The the guys were awesome once we got on. It's a disaster.
2: To be a fan of an organization like that must just be miserable. I, I really feel bad for A's fans. By the way, I wonder if it would have been different. And he's not playing for him this year, but he did last year. If Mike Fires is the A's representative, do the Astros still invite him
1: That is a good question, (laughs) and I will go ahead and say that's a hard no. No. uh, I'm going to say that's a no. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, Randy, you may have seen this video that went viral yesterday as the... MLB All-Stars are walking the carpet, they're showing off their fashions, they're getting interviewed by the likes of Greg Amzinger and MLB Network. There's a bunch of kids there with baseballs and Sharpies, they're wearing the jerseys of their favorite players, and they're they're asking players for autographs and they're really excited. And in the middle of all of these kids is a fully grown adult wearing a jersey and a hat that's jumping over all of the kids and pushing them out of the way trying to get an autograph. Someone filmed this guy's behavior, posted it on social media, and it went viral. And we've talked to a bunch of different players about these autograph seekers and how uncomfortable it makes players that these these grown adults are there constantly night in and night night out trying to hell them for autographs. But after this video went viral, Randy, I, I have a proposition. What about jail? I mean, if you're going to push a little kid I, out of the way to get an autograph, I think you need to sit somewhere and think about what you've done.
2: I agree. I have no problem with that. And it's one thing to be an autograph hound. And Wayno told us about the autograph hound that found a ball that he had left in the stadium. And he, he wanted a youngster to have it. And it wound up being an autograph hound. But especially when you're pushing kids out of the way to try to get an autograph. There's no way, if I were a pro athlete, that I would provide an autograph for that person.
1: Absolutely not. There, and, and maybe not hard jail, but there needs to be some sort of social jail oh, jail's fine. or behavior jail. Mm-hmm. Like if you're the person as, and you're in 32C and as soon as the plane lands and the light goes on, you're trying to push your way up to the front to get off the plane, you need to go to social jail. If you're mm-hmm. a full grown adult and you're pushing a child out of the way to get an autograph, you need to go to social jail. Yeah, you need to idea. just think about your behavior and how ridiculous and awful you're being.
2: Right. And if you don't learn, then hard time.
1: <laughs> and yeah, if you don't learn your lesson, then you graduate to real jail.
2: Yeah, I think it's a great idea.
1: Okay, I love it.
2: We need it. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. That's Michelle, and that is your You're Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Next up, our buddy Jay Delsing is going to join us. We're going to talk, well, we're going to have some stories from Uncle Jay during the course of the next hour, plus Ozzy Smith joining us as well on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: It's 9.03, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle, Randy, and... We thought that during All-Star Week, not a whole lot going on, and uh, we'd invite some friends into the studio. And today, for this hour, Jay Delsing is joining us. It's good to see you. You as well. Thanks for having me. And we're going to talk some golf, and as a matter of fact, in 15 minutes, Ozzy is going to be with us. He's going to join us on the phone. He's got some cool things happening. But I know you and Ozzy have a, a great relationship, and Ozzy has become quite the golfer.
7: Oh, my gosh, he loves the game and what he's done for the game, you guys, in St. Louis with the PGA Reach program and lending his name, his celebrity. It's a huge deal for golf. It's just a, he has helped us so much.
2: Yeah, it's and getting kids involved, getting military involved, getting uh, making golf more diverse, and it's an uphill battle, but he's really doing a lot for it.
7: Oh my gosh. I mean, I, who doesn't want to do anything that Ozzy's involved <laughs> exactly. in? I mean, I love the guy.
1: That's right. It's got to be so interesting for you too, Jay, to see these professional athletes be able to pick up the game of golf so easily. After this is something that you've dedicated your life to, so many of these guys, their skill set just translates right over to golf.
7: You know, Michelle, so lucky doesn't even sum it up because how else would I get to hang out with Ozzy? to <laughs> <laughs> be like, dude, get away from me. I don't know who you are. Uh, but because, because of golf and the game, I mean, I'm sitting here with you and The people that I've met, the connections that I've made, you know, the charitable work that the game, you know, the guys in front of us taught us, you know, that this is what golf does. I just there's nobody been luckier than me. It's ridiculous. The the things, the places, the people that has taken me.
2: You had a long career on the tour. And I don't think I've ever asked you what was your favorite tournament to play in. Not the majors, because obviously everybody loves those. But was there a spot on tour that was the coolest stop?
7: For me, uh, it, it generally um, focused around where I played well, mm-hmm. and those weren't there. There weren't that many of those. But Memphis, uh, first of all, it was kind of like a home. A home. Uh, there really isn't no home course for mm-hmm. for someone that lives in St. Louis. If you live in Orlando and say you're a member at Bay Hill, you'd get a home, a home tournament every year. But I never did. It was easy for my far- my parents to get down there. You know, you just jump on 55 and head down four hours. And I I ha- I probably should have won that tournament two or three <laughs> times, which I didn't win any. But um, I still I still remember um, one year I finished second there and uh, took. The girls, they were little babies in the locker room with me, and um, a couple of stories were fun. I, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, you the locker room attendants just do everything for you. And my daughter said, Dad... You come in here and all these guys just wait on you. Is that <laughs> what I I said, It's really incredible. And then we walk out to the car and we're loading the Suburban up. And I mean, Michelle, with four daughters, you know, you couldn't put another box of like tissues in this car. we <laughs> oh, were yeah. only gone for, for four hours. And uh, some guy comes up to my daughter, Gemma, and, uh, and says something to her. And Gemma comes over to me and goes, Dad, so where is the money? and i said what because we never talked i never talked about money and w- what i made and stuff when i finished second i had a really nice payday and he goes i don't know that guy right there just said you just made a hell of a lot of money i don't <laughs> know where it is
1: i love that he dropped that in- nugget of info for your daughters oh yeah um yeah. but jay i want to go back to the beginning because i don't know if i've ever talked to you about this how did you first even get into golf when was that something that you really decided that you loved as a kid
7: well, it was sports really, Michelle. My dad played Major League Baseball and if if I had my druthers, I would have never played golf. I would have just stayed with baseball. But we had Church League Baseball, which was, you know, six or seven games a summer, one practice a week and then, you know, we'd be organizing kids in the field trying to have a a, a game and then, you know, in the bottom of the third the shortstop has to go have dinner and there goes your game. <laughs> and it just used to piss me off and nobody else really cared that much. And so My dad would go play every once in a while. I'm like, Dad, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going to go play golf. And I'm like, we don't even know what golf is. And I'm the fourth of five. So I I was like, my parents were like, my parents gave me a small piece of luggage for my senior year in high school and said, you know, fill it up and get going. You know (laughs) what I mean? It was like, it was easily understood. I needed to kind of get out on my own. And um, so a scholarship was a, a, had to be a deal because we didn't have any money and My dad wound up taking me to play golf one day. And when it was North Shore Country Club, which, you know, Randy, Country Club, as you know, is Mm -hmm. in parentheses because that place is a goat track. We used to go (laughs) sleigh riding on it, which was a much better place to (laughs) sleigh ride than it was to play golf. But but we didn't, you know, when you don't know, you don't have a lot of money. And you don't know that there's other things out there. You don't think much of it. And so I started playing golf. Almost every day with my mom's clubs, and I didn't know it wasn't cool to have red-headed woods. You know, I had—I think I had Patty Berg's or something and <laughs> until I got playing with some peers, and they're like, dude, those are girls' clubs. I'm like, they didn't know I was wearing girl hand-me-down shirts. I was just wearing all sorts of stuff because it was like just whatever you had, man. So I just um, started doing it, Michelle. Uh, my sisters were lifeguards down at the pool that this place had. And i just got so bored with the swimming aspect of it so i would jump the fence and go look for golf balls and and um when i was like uh 12 or 13 i just kept bugging my dad to to get me to caddy let me you know take me to the golf course he goes you're gonna go caddy and i'm like i don't want caddy so i went over to norwood when i was like 13 and um some funny stories about the caddy room so there were older gentlemen Caddying and you know, it was a rough crowd. I learned how to swear at a Olympic level <laughs> Which I still do very well now play cards <laughs> bet on sports all of the things, you know, a, a nice Catholic boy needs to learn but um, It got me introduced to Norwood. It got me introduced to an entirely different um, section of people um, and I was just hooked my dad would he worked for the st louis review when he, he grew up on a farm in wisconsin so he wasn't really educated so when he stopped playing he sold advertising for the st louis review you know the paper nobody reads in town that's when we had two papers anyway so i regressed but um yeah. it, it just it just bit me michelle and it hasn't let go and i i'm so grateful it was just you know I, i'd caddy and i'd after and, um I'd work in the back room, and these guys just couldn't get rid of me. You know, <laughs> I just hung around and hung around, and then they started paying me, and then they started letting me play the golf courses, and I had never seen a golf course that had a sand trap before, so it was like, this is some pretty cool stuff.
1: And when's the first time you realize, I could really do this? This could be my job professionally.
7: Oh man, I still did. So I got my scholarship to UCLA, which was so huge because I had the Walton and Wooden poster up in my bed. And well, my brother and I lived in the basement, and um, I, I'll I'll never forget the coach at UCLA calling me. I was going on a recruit trip. I was going to the Arizona schools, Arizona State and Arizona ASU, and then uh, up to USC. And he said, "Why don't you come across town after you visit USC and 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 um, check us out?" And they were paying for all this, so I'm like. The first thing i did was how many trips do i get and i took <laughs> all of them <laughs> I, was, sure. I went down to wake forest i went to houston all these really cool places and um to go to ucla was just I, it wasn't necessarily a dream dream but then when i got out there i'm like this is so cool You know, and they take you by the athletic department, and there's just stud athletes hanging around there. Will Chamberlain's just like, you know, the greeter over there. I'm like, what the hell? So I (laughs) I got to do that. Um, My freshman year, I started out, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to compete with all these guys. And I just started playing better, and I don't really know how. And I just started playing better, and it just, I I just learned from the good players out there. And then once I won a a college tournament and became an All-American, I'm like, well, hell— I know these guys all want to do it. I wasn't sure, but you know, it worked out for me
2: just think so well. About the the accomplishment before that, just the fact that Wake Forest and Houston and USC and UCLA and Arizona Arizona State they just wanted you to visit. Here you are, a kid from St. Louis that started caddying when you were thirteen, right? And you get to a point where those schools want you to visit, and those are the legendary producers of golfers, right?
7: And the funny thing, Randy, in my house, it was like just go ahead do my my parents like just do whatever go ahead you know they did i remember driving to la when i was 18 i'm like what i didn't know one person in this city you know it's just it's just it was crazy it just it just works out great for me. I don't. I, I like I said. There's not been a luckier person role in this studio than me. I it it could have gone a lot of ways. <laughs> it could have gone a lot of ways, man. I tried to make it go some really bad ways, but but um, you know to my good fortune it, it went this way. And I I just you know the Ascension Charity Classic up at Norwood. I mean that that can't can't be happening for me. That. That can't be happening. I tell Nick Ragone and Steve Sprout all the time, I'm like, you guys, this is like, it checks every single box for me. You know what I mean? It just, it's stuff like that doesn't happen in your life.
2: It's awesome. And uh, Jay is going to be with us for the hour, tell some some stories from the tour. But coming up, the Wizard, Ozzy has some stuff going on, and we're going to talk to him. And it's 40 years since the Cardinals won the World Series in 1982 over the Brewers. I'm going to ask him. I talked to Willie McGee a couple weeks ago. I want to ask the same question to Ozzy that I asked to Willie next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Smith, Corks one in the right, down the line. It's-
2: Michelle Smallman is here, Jay Delsing is joining us in studio, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and the Hall of Famer, the one, the only Ozzie Smith joins us. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? All right. How are you guys? I'm doing great. Uh, Ozzie, I know you've, you've already had an event with some of your teammates from that 82 team, and I was talking to Willie the other day and said, does it seem like 40 years for you? Because... In a lot of ways, it doesn't for me. And he said exact same no. thing. He said, some ways it feels like it's been longer than 40, but sometimes it, it feels like we were playing two weeks ago. How's that 40 years gone by for you when you when you reflect on that 82 World Series?
3: But you know, When you look back um, until you say 40, you know, it doesn't doesn't seem that long. But when you say 40, you realize how how long it's been and uh, and stuff, you know, because I think that we what we did and I think we stay close enough to the game to where we feel like you know it was just yesterday and and, and stuff. But uh, at times he's right. At times it does seem like it was just yesterday. But other times, after you say the word forty, <laughs> you realize it's been it's been quite a while.
7: Hey guys, uh, Jay here. Uh, good morning, and thanks for joining us. the The fact that you um, have taken St. Louis kind of as your your new home, not kind of you have what you've done for the community, and then I'm going to focus on the golf piece. It's it's it, it's so awesome. Tell the folks a little bit about why you love golf and and how that's kind of helped your competitive juices as you've transitioned from baseball to golf.
3: Well, for anybody who's used a racket or a baseball bat or had to use their hand and eye coordination, you know, and you do it for 20 years, when you get done, there's a there's a real void in your life, you know. So, I think that golf for all of us fills that competitive void that we have after we do after we leave the game and and uh, for me, uh, it can be very therapeutic because I like the process too. And I've spent a lot of time, you know, working on my swing uh, myself, just trying to get to a point of understanding exactly what it is that I'm trying to do. And, you know, uh, uh, Jay, when you when you're out there, you're playing, and you've got to know how to fix it. And you and sometimes you got to know how to fix it quick, you know. So I think the more situations that you've been in, and uh, the better understanding that you have of what what it takes to get back on and baseball was the same way you know it was about being able to shorten the time that things are going bad and golf for me is it it presents the same problem you know sometimes when it starts going awry you've got to have an understanding of how to get back on track and you know when you think about all of the pros when they do hit a a bad ball um, they can generally get up and down which means that they have a pretty good understanding of what it is they're trying to do.
1: Ozzie, you're a Hall of Fame athlete, but any golfer always has a part of their game that they want to tweak and work on. So what is that for Ozzie Smith right now? What part of your golf game are you trying to work on?
3: Well, it's always the, the little stuff, you know. And if I was going to start teaching golf or for anybody that I know that want to start the game, I would start from the green back to the tee box, you know, because it's the little things that, um, you know, you got to what I call miss closer, Um, For most of us as amateurs, you know, uh, we may miss anywhere from 20 to 25 feet, whereas a pro is missing anywhere from from 5 to 10 feet. So you're trying to get into that range to where you're not putting, uh, you don't have those long putts all the time. So it's always the short stuff. Um, You know, one of the things, I've always had pretty good hands, you know, so it's just learning how to get the ball closer to the hole so that I don't have those those long 10, 15-foot
2: putts. And you know what, Oz, there sometimes that golf is so different, and sometimes what seems logical doesn't apply, like the swing. And I, I played with Jay, and Jay said, hey, when you're next to the green, when, when you're trying to, to pitch or chip, use your wrists a little bit more. And I had always kept, because that's the swing, right? You, you, you keep your wrists flat. But he has changed my game considerably, Jay Delsing has, simply with one little tip, use your wrists a little bit more around the green and use touch, and Jay said it perfectly. He said, play catch with the hole.
3: Yeah, it's it, it's it's that thing, and you know, for for me, listening to people talk about it, well, I say you don't want to get too risky. Well, you know, I spent a lot of time not not trying to be risky and being a risky person. So I have taken mm-hmm. what was one of my assets, and I I took it away. And it's you know, I'm finally now starting to understand that just just that, you know, learning to use your risk in the proper manner that allows you to be successful.
7: Uh, sometimes the golf channels kill in people's golf games. with. You That's know, the, right. The of One of the things that I found for sure uh, as in golf, and I wanted to know if there was a correlation in baseball, is that usually I need to do the opposite, almost 100% opposite uh, of what yeah. I feel like.
3: Did you experience that in baseball as well? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You What you do is you, you reverse whatever it is you're doing. If it's not working out, reverse it. Um, you know, so, and, and that's, that's kind of the approach is to reverse whatever you're doing. If it's not working, then try it, try it the other way or start from the end and work your way back. And, uh, I think, um, um, you know, uh, uh one golfer, uh, I, I heard one golfer talk about that at, at reversing everything. And so that's kind of my approach. If it's not working one way, then I, I kind of reverse it and go back the other way.
2: Ozzie has a couple of great initiatives coming up And we're going to talk about those in a moment I want to touch on this year's Cardinals though Ozzie, because I remember talking to you Back in the day when I covered the team on a regular basis And you and Terry Pendleton Because you guys were always in the hunt And you you would, without fail, tell me How much it energized a clubhouse To know that the front office had your back When they made a move And we look at it as fans and say Okay, they're trying to improve the team But that really does have an emotional impact On a clubhouse when you know The front office is working behind you doesn't it
3: oh it's always that's uh, always that shot in the arm and when you go through long seasons and this season here much like it was for us when uh, we had those hot astroturf days you know the long days of summer but this weather has just been horrendous you're always looking for that shot in the arm late in the year and making a move that you know that we feel is going to um, to energize the club and, and make the club better always gives you that that extra boost of energy that you need going down the stretch. And, you know, we were fortunate enough as a team in the eighties to where we always had somebody in the minor league system who could come up and give us that shot in the arm. You know, one year it's Terry, one year was Vince Coleman, Todd Warrell. The list just goes on and on of guys that were able to come, come up and contribute right away. And um, you know, that, that always uh, gives you that shot in the arm or, you know, I can remember 19, I think it was 1985 where Whitey went out and he, he got Cesar Cedeno, who came in and, and really contributed. In the one game that I remember, um, uh, we were playing the Mets going down the stretch and um, it was an extra inning ball game and Cesar Cedeno hit a uh, home run off of Jesse Orozco and we beat them one to nothing. I think it was 10 or 11 innings. And so when you, you can get a player of that caliber or you make a move like that, it, uh, it really energizes the team.
1: Ozzie, what do you think about this year's Cardinals? They're a half game back of the Milwaukee Brewers in the division right now. But what do you think their chances are in the second half?
3: Well, the chance—I I mean, you always got a chance. I, I think when you look at this team, man for man, they certainly have what it takes to do it. But you got to pitch. You, you, you got there's no way around that. And you know, we've got to do a better job of, of, of pitching, and um, that's what's going to make the difference down the stretch. It'd be nice to be able to get. Um, Jack uh, Flaherty back and uh, back on a regular basis. You know, he comes back in a couple games and and stuff, but it'd be nice to have him healthy all the way down the stretch. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, he'll be able to come back and and, and contribute.
2: The Wizard Ozzie Smith with us on 101 ESPN. And Oz. I run into people all the time who say, Hey, I ran into Ozzy Smith, got a chance to talk to Ozzy Smith and you are unfailingly great to everybody, but you've started an initiative called STL wizards so that people can enhance and, and deepen their relationship with you and with other people that are, are fans of Ozzy Smith.
3: Yeah, it's a, uh, what we've tried to do. And, um, uh, uh we, we've tried to create a social club that's designed to bring me, uh, my fans and, friends together in a more meaningful way and and what St. Louis Wizards allows us to do is to organize all the fans and supporters in a more meaningful way um they can get to know each other they can know me on, on a more intimate level and this way we can form a stronger community and hopefully uh, have a, a great impact on St. Louis and you know it's a one-time fee that uh, you can join the club there's uh, there's different levels that you can join at and um uh, the higher up you go, the, the the more access and stuff you have to special events. So, uh, people can pre-order um, at on stlouiswizards.com. The the membership fee is a one-time only membership fee that that will offer the fans a lifetime membership, and you know you'll have virtual experiences and in-person experiences held in and around the Saint Louis area.
2: And you can, as you mentioned, go to stlwizards.com and STL Wizards is on all social platforms too. And be sure to register in time for the launch party at the end of August for STL Wizards so that you can uh, have a a stronger relationship with the Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith. Another thing, you and I both get uh, much of our golf equipment, if not all of it, from our friend Chris Muir at Golf Discount of St. Louis. And so you had your driver last year, and you, it was replaced by another Callaway driver, right? How did this this now autographed Callaway Epic driver work for you in 2021?
3: Well, it worked great for me. And, uh, and to, to be honest with you, what we usually do is I usually kind of just trade them out. And uh, the ones that I get rid of, I, I sign them and, um, you know, I autograph them and, and stuff. And then uh, Chris uses it for charities and so forth and so on. And, um, you know, we've, we've been doing that for the last four or
2: five years. And what we're doing now is we have last year's Ozzy Smith Callaway Epic driver up on eBay, and uh, somebody's going to get a, a priceless one of a kind item—the Ozzy used driver from last year that is autographed. Will come with a certificate of authenticity, and all the proceeds will go to PGA Reach, which I know is near and dear to your heart.
3: Yes, Randy, uh, and let me say this here: you know uh, they usually come in that green and and uh, and, and black, but but I get this specially colored. It will it, come with a red trim, so <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it, it always looks good. Red always looks good, you know, so uh, we get that done. Chris gets that done for me and, and stuff, so it's a, it's a special one, and as you said, I'll uh, sign it. It's signed already, and uh, you'll get a, a letter of authenticity as well.
2: So that'll be great. And you can, uh, I've tweeted the the link if you want to go check it out on eBay or just uh, search on eBay for Ozzie Smith's Autograph 2021 driver, and you'll be able to find it there. We understand that you have a tea time today.
3: Yeah, I have a tea time today over at uh, Meadowbrook about 11, I think it is. So uh, I've got to get a move on here, and um, I've worked out already this morning, so Look out, here I come. Go <laughs> Oz.
2: <All right. laughs> hey, 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 Oz, we, we always love having you on. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy your day. And again, stlwizards.com if people want to get pre-ordered. And the launch party is at the end of August.
3: That's right. And it's a one-time membership fee. So um, go in and check it out, and uh, let's get closer.
2: Sounds great. Thanks, Oz. All uh, right. Thank you, guys. See you later. That is the Hall of Famer, the wizard, Ozzy Smith, joining us on 101 ESPN. And again, uh, this driver... How many times are you going to get the driver that Ozzy Smith used for a whole season, right? How many times are you going to get that opportunity? So just check it out on eBay. I've got it up at uh, on my Twitter page at Randy Carricker, and you can link to it, and hopefully we'll raise a lot of money for PGA Reach. And you've done a lot with PGA Reach as well. It's an amazing initiative here in town.
7: Yeah, it really is. I mean, again, this, not to kick the dog here, but we'll have an Ozzie, you know, his, his efforts in his name and his celebrity to, to golf and PGA reach and just anything um, w- with him just gives us so much more credibility and, and it just expands our, our ability to reach people. It's f-
2: phenomenal. And we don't think about it because we saw Ozzy play, but when he goes into schools now to talk to kids, they have to bring... a. A video of his baseball exploits because kids wow. don't, they, they didn't get a chance to see Ozzy play. So yeah. they say, okay, here's what Ozzy Smith is all about.
1: It's like why Michael Jordan wanted to do the last dance because yeah. a whole generation of kids knows him for sneakers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's Michelle. Jay Delsing is here. I'm Randy Carricker and coming up, more stories from the tour with Jay on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Michelle Smallman, Jay Delsing joining us in studio. And you just heard Matt Rocchio tell us that Henrik Stenson headed to the Live Tour along with David Faraday. He's going to be doing their television Guys that you'd like to have their on, on their, I'm te- sorry? their television, their, yeah, YouTube and uh, <laughs> on, on their website. Certainly, guys that you'd like to have. I mean, you don't like losing people if you're the PGA Tour, but at this stage, losing Henrik Stenson is—is is that a big deal for the PGA Tour? It's—it's it's not. I mean,
7: I don't think anybody wants to lose. It's, it's not that he still can't win and compete occasionally, but. Most of the guys like Poulter, Garcia, Lee, Westwood—that's on—they're on, they're on the, the backside of it all, you know. Um, and having Faraday go is is really an interesting thing. He, he seemed kind of lost to me at NBC. Like he mm-hmm. just seemed kind of in the—he was in the mix, but he—he he was kind of it felt restricted or something. I, I'm sure he's going to have a, a huge presence on whatever. I—I've not even watched the streaming. I don't know if you guys have. I don't have much interest either. in it, but. Um, I've been texting him. He hasn't texted me back, so he's probably still working on the contract. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. and,
1: and, Jay, uh, Charles Barkley said publicly that he was going to meet with Live officials about having some sort of media presence there, potentially being their media face. What was your reaction when you heard that? Why? <laughs> why for Live or why for, yes. for Charles?
7: Yes, I mean, both. What, what, I mean, Charles, obviously, cash grab, right? Yeah, of course. Like everybody he said else. he would
1: kill a family member exactly, to get
7: the $200 yeah. at, million. Least, <laughs> at least he was honest about that, Michelle, and I, and I respect that, but... I mean here here's the thing that seems really apparent to me this is a shotgun approach to everything they're just blasting as much money as they can around and trying to hit whatever they hit so they're yeah. throwing it out you know they've you know they've gone to everyone in the probably in the top 150 players in the world golf rankings and here's what they here's what they've knocked off yeah so i mean I don't know i love listening to charles Barkley. he's a he's a right i've actually got to play golf with him believe it or not and he's that's even more bizarre than you could imagine but um yeah I, I what what's he going to do to the, i mean what's he going to bring to the table other than you know his brand of humor and personality his take mm-hmm. on things that I and it's still streaming
2: right and, and i wonder realistically speaking if you're the saudis and you hire Charles Barkley. At some point, Charles Barkley is going to say something about the Saudis. Because he does. That's just who he is. And he's going to say something that they aren't happy with. He's their own employee. But he's going to say something that they... It's inevitable, right?
7: I. You're, that's a good point. I mean, you know, like what Phil said in the quote in his book, you know, they're scary people. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not quoting him. And, <laughs> and, and um, I'd be... I'd be petrified. I mean, you know, you have a drink or two, and, you know, certain things get said, and you don't know who you're saying it to, and next yeah. next thing yeah. you know, you can't find your dog. You right. know, it's exactly. a, that's not a good thing.
2: Yeah, no. Hey, I want to know, how many years on tour for Jay first?
7: Oh, gosh, probably about t- between 25 and 30. Okay. The last were kind of blurry, because I didn't play all that much.
2: Yeah. Best player you were ever paired with on tour?
7: Ooh, okay, so when I'll, I'll say this in in two uh, versions when I uh, was a freshman at UCLA my very first tournament I was I had a really good tournament I got paired with Bobby Clampett no 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 no, no not you have to be a pretty avid golf fan to know who Bobby Clampett is but back in the day Beverly he was a,
2: a UCLA thing right
7: yeah he was a stud he played yeah he played uh, BYU but I played in the last group with him and I think I was a couple of shots off the lead starting the day. He shot 65 the last day with three three-putts, beat me by 10. And I had never seen golf to this day that good. He hit the ball so straight and so long at the time. It, it was incredible. The the best, I mean, it would have to be Jack Nicklaus. Something you something paired that, with Jack? There's something about playing with Jack that there's this, Aura that came off of him that you're like, well, he's going to make this one too. You know, this is going to go well for him. And you know what inevitably happens is your game goes into the tank because you're like, oh yeah, oh it's my turn to hit now. You know.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is when you're paired with somebody like Jack Nicholas, are you so in your head about being there with him, or and not only focusing on what he's doing, but thinking that he's focusing on what you're doing that it impacts your your game?
7: It does. And and I got paired with Jack at the Memorial. Which was his own event, and it was, you know, as I got as I got uh, older, I, you know, I got pair, I got I got to play with everybody, and and it you you get used to it, but the first time I played with Greg Norman, it was shocking because this guy drove the ball. I was always long. He was every bit as long as I was, but I hit you know five fairways a day. He hit them all, and he was number one player in the world, and it was Greg Greg's. His nickname was like Greg Enormous because he just wanted to be <laughs> bigger than everything. Like when Jack Nicholas got a private plane, Greg got a seven thirty-seven. Oh wow! You know what I mean? Oh, it was one wow. of those deals. And so, and and that's kind of how it was when we were at Fox as well. Greg was just always he just couldn't figure out a, a way to be part of the team. But playing golf with these guys and watching them, uh, and and watching how they would. You know, when you when you reboot, you're sitting down having a beer after the round and going, You know, what just happened? You know, some things <laughs> went good, some things didn't go so well and then you have this visual of what they did you know, and I, I, as a rookie one year at Memphis, I was paired with Hal Sutton, and he, we were both in a decent position. I unfortunately got on the highway heading south and went back towards the middle of the pack, and he won the tournament. And I can remember the last five holes, the excitement of watching him do what he was doing. It pissed me off as a competitor, <laughs> but it also just destroyed my, I, I think I bogeyed the last four holes just because I had no concentration left, but I was so enamored in like, yeah. What's going to happen here? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's got to be crazy. Now you mentioned having a beer after after the round to decipher what went on. Who's the most fun guy on tour that you've been with to sit down and do that with?
7: Oh my gosh! So Steve Pate is the human volcano. He's he, but he <laughs> went to he. I went to college with him, and I, we were sitting down at um, in Greensboro, having. Um, a few beers and commiserating and telling each other, "Oh gosh, well I did this and I did this worse than you know." And and Lanny Watkins walks by. Lanny is not really that nice a guy, you know. <laughs> he, he not when he when you play with him, he talks about like he. I'll never forget. I'm walking down like the third fairway, paired with Lanny Watkins, and he goes, "Did I ever tell you what Ben Hogan said to me?" <laughs> And I'm like, I stopped and tied my shoe. You know, so you keep walking. I'm like, I couldn't give it, you know. But anyway, that's, kinda, that's how the conversations, you'd be shocked at what gets talked about. Over five hours of walking around with these. Yeah, this, you that's know, a lot of some, time to fill. a lot of type A, a lot of ego going mm-hmm. on there. But Steve and I are sitting there and we're not, we're, we've only started drinking, you know. And so we're just commiserating. And, and he's like, you double bogey that hole. It's so easy. I'm like, yeah, I know. I thought it was easy too. And Landy walks by and he goes, hey. And we kind of just look at him, and we're just sitting at the bar, and it's in the locker room. It's one of the few places that it's not a public bar, and and it was just a great place to hang out. And he goes, hey, are you guys rookies? And we said, yeah. And he goes, let me explain something to you. Half the guys out here don't care. The other half wish it was twice as bad. Just go home and he walked away. And I looked at Peter, and I go, he can't kick us out of the bar, kid. You know, and he's like, no, he can't do that. So we just stayed there. But I mean, uh, some of the stuff that Steve has done, and he gets this look in his eye uh, on the golf course and just loses all sense of, what he should, should do and should say And so we saw a lot of that at college he, he would probably be right up there
2: You hear the great Jay Delsing every Sunday morning Here on 101 ESPN We are honored to have him here in studio with us We are going to have a final segment Coming up with Jay He talked about hitting the fairway about five times He hits it more than that And we're going to find out how to do it next on 101 ESPN
0: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers On 101 ESPN
2: Jay Dilsing joining Michelle and Randy in studio and uh, Jay and I got a a chance to go and play about a month ago and uh, it is great to play and you're so kind because you say hey I I hate to give lessons on the course I, I was there because I wanted lessons on the course but one of the things as you know and pretty much every guy does is we swing the club hard.
7: Oh hell yeah! That's what's fun about it, though, right? You got to put it. You want to put it. You want to drop a bomb every once in a while. Yep. Even you know, like once a day, if you can just connect, right? even <laughs> right. if it doesn't necessarily go straight. You're like, that really felt good. Yeah. Oh, it's such but,
1: a pure feeling too. You know, when you hit it. Oh, oh, it's so great.
2: But the key is to swing at eighty-five, eighty percent. It's the the key
7: is to try to not do that, and you're going to do it much more often. And it is infuriating, and it's so it's so non-male. I mean, Mm -hmm. we want to go full bore, full tilt. I want my feet off the ground and well, usually it doesn't go that way. It Michelle, doesn't go
2: well. This is why, and if you practice, you'd be great, but this is why the, the, the LPGA Tour, they're so good because it's not within, do you tell me, is it, when you go out and play, is it in your nature to swing the club as hard as you can?
1: No, I'm just trying to connect. Yep. Gosh, I, I, so we got to
7: do the um, LPGA Tour with Fox in 2015, and I was watching the ladies play, and I was so impressed. Up and down the, the range, these beautiful swings, not one woman overswung.
5: Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. like,
7: okay, I'm going to hit balls this afternoon. I'm not going to over swing. Four swings. I'm like, <laughs> screw it. I'm going <laughs> after it. Yep, that's all I lasted. I'm like, I can't do this. That's I a just... fun exercise
1: for guys to see how many, if you go to the driving range, can you get through before you're trying to swing out of your shoes?
2: Well, you get up to a ball, you're addressing a ball. Nice, easy swing. Nice, easy swing. Get back, you really slow backswing and then whack. As oh yeah. Fast oh, as you yeah. Can. It's
7: like something <laughs> happens. It's like it all it's like, oh well forget it. I'm just gonna do that anyway.
1: Well, and it's the Bryson DeChambeau effect too now. No. You're seeing all these guys going super yard and, and everybody wants to see how far they can do it.
7: It's amazing. I, I, I mean, what's coming down the the pike you guys with the kids and the, the they're getting bigger, you're going to have somebody my height that weighs 230 pounds that's literally got to hit the ball 400 yards. Yeah. It's coming. There's n- nothing in the way to stop it.
2: And they're young golfers are fearless. And this is the Tiger effect and the John Daly effect because they're swinging hard as kids and making great contact when they're three, four or five years old. I didn't really start playing until I was 25. So... I still had to figure things out. Well, they already have the coordination to hit the ball hard as a youngster, and they don't have to figure that out at a, an advanced age.
7: Yeah, and the tour players are trying to hit it hard. They really yeah. are, and they do hit it hard. It's just it's just extremely polished. You know, it's. <laughs> I mean, JT's not laying off his driver. There's, his feet aren't on the ground at impact. Mm-hmm. You know, and so these guys are smashing it, and it's— It's impressive. I mean, the British Open, did you watch Cameron Young? Yeah. I'm not even that familiar with Cameron Young, and it was so impressive what he did, and he was smashing it off the tee.
2: So for those of us that get out and play 18 holes and might hit five fairways, your best piece of advice for us. Okay,
7: so what you really got to do is if you want to get better, you have to be get some awareness and try to figure out where you're losing your strokes. And, and like Ozzy said, whenever I try to help someone, we always start from the green and work backwards. Because, look, off the tee and with our irons, we're looking for probably as much power as we can get. As we get closer to the hole, though, guys, we're looking for softness and precision. We talked about softening your hands around the greens, letting your wrist flex, because you're you're on a tee and you're trying to hit a 40 Yard wide fairway, you're on the green. You're trying to put the ball into a four and a quarter inch cup, so Mm -hmm. it's it's not about power. It's about touch, feel, and precision. And one of the things that the game has gone where we've missed, in my opinion, is we haven't taught people the differences between the power swing and the softer, more um, precise swing. And that's what I see people do around the greens where they. We don't want to load the shaft, which means we don't want to lead a lot with our hands while we're pitching and chipping, and that's where people go wrong. And then they realize, oh, man, I'm coming in way too fast, and you see all these body gyrations. People pop up, or they slow down, or they, they, all these things to try to soften the club at the very bottom. But if you watch the guys on tour, they just use their wrists as hinges, and they swing the club and just drop the head on it, and it's... You know, and there's some variation in there, but that's that's the
2: key. So that makes a difference. It's nice, nice to hear. Yeah, my age. <laughs> it's, it's over for us, isn't it? Yeah. Not for you. It's <laughs> nice to hear for, for somebody who's, start, who's
4: starting to learn now, and who still only swings about. My full swings about 60% swing right now because I, I can't can't do a full swing <laughs> just right just now doesn't i, I, I yeah, lose it completely work. the fact that it's just you know play a little bit softer you know just try to just try to get it in the middle there and, and, and keep on hitting it straight that's a I, I like to hear that because right now that's that's all i'm trying to do i'm i'm the a 250 yard drive is is a, a month or two off for me still.
7: not bad it's it, it's amazing i wanted to ask az which game's harder because my I was always taught the hardest thing in all of sport is try to hit a, a round ball with a round bat. I'm mm-hmm. trying to hit a baseball. Mm-hmm. is the hardest thing ever. But you know all those nuances of the game, the defense, which he was so good at, and running the bases and all of that. And now he's trying to play golf. And then you know you have your chipping, your pitching, your putting, your driving, different grasses, different sand. There's there's a lot of variables.
2: Be interesting to hear his philosophy.
1: Also because one is a team sport and one is an individual sport. And I wonder what's more difficult because it can get more difficult to be in your head when it's just you, right, Jay?
7: Yeah, and you can, you know, Michelle, there's so many times where I wish I could just crawl under a rock and let everybody just keep, you know, and you just have to wear it. Yeah, yeah. And, that's tough. and you can go bad and, you know, go 0 for 4 and be in a slump and the team st- keeps winning and, you know, you're probably not going to stay in the lineup long, but there's still overall success to be had ours is kind of no, all or nothing yeah mm-hmm.
2: hey we have about a minute left i want you to tell us about wild crush the new wine bar out in town and country Oh,
7: thank you my partner karen paslowski and i uh, opened wild crush in november it's right behind the strabs it's uh we have the freshest wine probably in the entire state of Missouri, we have self-dispensing wine machines that keep the wine fresh up to 60 days. Our problem is trying to keep a bottle for 60 days because <laughs> we go through a lot of wine over there. But Michelle, you've been there. Yes. We have a gorgeous uh, patio. Thank you again, Randy, for letting mm-hmm. me talk about this. It's, it's, it's uh, very exciting. But we have a great patio. We have charcuterie boards. We have flatbreads. We have beer and uh, whiskey and champagne and a cool vibe some good music live music on fridays and uh host a lot of events we've had two weddings out there already awesome. yeah a lot of really fun stuff you got to come out and and uh hang out with us
1: as someone who's been there ten ten recommend you absolutely have to go and Thank you forgot you. to mention there's tv so there's the game on in the background Always. we are, anything you want is absolutely
7: that karen and i uh, and, uh, and lexi our managing partner karen we are huge sports fans so Blues, for sure. Cardinals, for sure. Always. I sneak some golf on in there. Yeah, There's good. three TVs, like and they're yeah. like,
2: what's on there? I'm like, ah, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll talk to you Friday morning, and then we'll be tuned in on Sunday morning as well.
7: Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Oh, we love it.
2: having you on. Thanks. Jay Delsing joining us in studio. And by the way, tomorrow, one of the most compelling stories you'll ever hear, Rocky Sickman will join us. He was uh, an I- Iranian-, Iranian prisoner in Iran. Uh, back in 1979, 80, was released in 81. And now he is involved with Folds of Honor here in St. Louis. And Rocky's going to join us tomorrow morning. Great job today by our producer-engineer, Matt Rocky. Thank you, sir.
4: Pleasure. We're also going to have Randy Wilkins, the director of the Jeter documentary. Oh,
2: yeah, looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Michelle, great job as always.
1: Uh, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: And we thank you for ta- tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis.
0: You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
5: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama.